Hey world, what's going on podcast listeners? You're listening to Clemente's Corner. We are in the early 100s. I always forget what episode I'm on. But hey, thank you for listening. I had on Stuart Cowan on the podcast. He was on before. Uh, He's very... uh, Interesting guy to talk to. Last time we just talked about the environment, so I brought him back on. We talked about his music. We talked about Christmas, holidays, teaching, working at Starbucks, um, relationship stuff, going to Germany, DMT, all kinds of interesting things. And uh, he had some great insights on, you know, following your dreams, going for it, risking it all not settling for something you hate and just trying to be a better person i think that's great advice Stewart is a phenomenal musician like i said he's been on the podcast before you can go back and check out that episode he's uh got several tracks out on Bandcamp right now just type in Stuart cohen c-o-w-e-n Bandcamp. that's what i did on google i think it's like Bandcamp slash his name anyway you can find out his see all his tracks there he's had um, some solo stuff out he's in a band right now black caskets they just started they did their first show went well you'll hear more about that during the podcast but please enjoy and please enjoy this song titled despair one of stewart's hit singles check out stewart cohen oh wait it's c-o-w-a-n i'm sorry i said that wrong earlier so it's Stuart, C-O-W-A-N. And it's Stuart with the E-W. I'll leave a link. You'll see it. StuartCohen.Bandcamp.com. So please enjoy the episode. Bye. 
Anyway, we're starting to record. I'm here with Stuart Cowan. Is that you pronounce it right? Yes, Stuart I've, Cowan. I've been saying Cohen for like a year. Everybody has. Yeah. Everybody. You know what? I started... Oh, the horrible thing is that now that I work at Starbucks... Um, well, I work with this guy whose last name is spelled the same way as mine, but he pronounces it Cohen. Really? Spelled so, exactly the same? Spelled exactly the same. Wow. He pronounces it Cohen, and I go by Cowan. But it's a mistake that people have been making about my name all have my you, life. Have you so. checked your ancestry? Do you know where, you, Honestly, where Cowan hails from? Um... Sort of. Um, I know more about my middle name because that's actually more of a family name. Brutus? Uh, yeah, Brutus. No, Stuart. <laughs> Stuart is actually my middle name. And so, anyway, I know more about that name because Cowan was an adopted name. Mm. My granddad was adopted, but he was adopted by like um, somebody that was in his family, but it was definitely not like my, my blood ancestry's mm-hmm. name, you know? I gotcha. What's your first name? Daniel. Daniel, Daniel Stewart Cowan Jr. Is that's my a full name. That's a great name. It's a full name. Yeah, I just wish I just wanted to get it down to just Stewart. That's why, I, honestly, it shows and stuff, especially because people started getting Cowan wrong. Mm-hmm. I started just going by Stewart, and I, I think I prefer that. But it also kind of is pretentious a little mm-hmm. bit because then it's like a solo musician who's like, "Well, I just go by my one name, like Madonna." You know? Yeah. Yeah, but that's not, I mean, hey, you know, it sticks out mm-hmm. a little bit more. Like, everybody's like, oh, here's uh, David Hornsby. or you know, yeah. <laughs> Shout out David Hornsby. Is that a right. real guy? <laughs> yeah, that's a real guy. <laughs> but it just sounds like such an average, like, singer-songwriter name, you know? Yeah, it sounds like a substitute it, teacher. I mean, it's, no, no offense to David Hornsby. It's just the name. It's just like, yeah, you know, so many singer-songwriters just have their name, and it's just like... You know, there's not a whole lot of names that are that great, really. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, oh, here's this guy, you know, but, doing his thing. But, but then again, just Hornsby. Hornsby. I'm intrigued. Exactly. Tell so, me yeah, more. So, yeah, you take a little bit away from it. So, just Stuart, hopefully, kind of has, I don't know, Hornsby sounds a little bit cooler than Stuart, I think. I can't I can't help but think <laughs> of uh, the Mad TV sketch with Stuart when he's like, look what I can do. That's all I think oh, about Oh, man, him. yeah. We're that done. one... That one's probably my favorite reference. Like, you know how people, when you introduce yourself and you tell them your name, and then they mm-hmm. always have some kind of reference, or some yeah. people will always be like, oh, as in da-da-da-da-da, you know? Mm-hmm. And with Stuart, the ones that I get the most are, uh, I get that one sometimes, and that's my favorite one, because I used to crack up laughing, like, as a kid mm-hmm. watching Mad TV, you know? And especially because I was like, oh, he's got my name, you know? He's just <laughs> such a goofy character. But the ones that I hate are being called, like, Stewie Griffin. Mm. I can't stand that. It's like, yeah, sure, fine. Or Stuart Little. As a kid, that used to just, like, make me so fucking really? mad when That's somebody funny. would be like, Stuart Little, like... It's a classic film. Take my name, and I would... Because it's spelled differently, too, yeah. you know? And that would... That would be, anyway, that one, and then lately, the one that everybody's been doing, I guess there's a character on Letterkenny mm. that's called Stuart. I haven't, I, I haven't gotten in enough into that show. I don't know anything. I hear great things about it. I've heard a lot of good things about it, but at the same time, like, I, you know, it was like the web series, and I watched a couple of the web, webisodes or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and I thought they were funny, and I, I just got so turned off to the entire idea though when i have the you know basic subscription to hulu 
And so it would play this Letterkenny, the same damn Letterkenny oh, really? commercial <laughs> over and over and over and over. And it was just so silly. And it just made it look like such a stupid, like slapstick comedy show mm-hmm. that did not look funny at all to me. So I was like, you know, by the end of it, I was just making fun of it the whole time. Just like those little bits that would show in the commercial. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I would joke about it. But anyway, maybe maybe I ought to give it an honest try. I have heard a lot of really good things about it. Yeah, it's. An, I like the like the idea of like you know like country redneck uh, Canadians. You don't you don't hear about them a lot. Yeah, you, well, <laughs> I think that Canada just kind of gets ignored mostly altogether. <laughs> and I think the truth is that it's kind of just a you know a pretty it's pretty similar to you know the U.S. Mm-hmm. I mean, same continent can be. Yeah. Too different, you know. Middle middle of the country people. Yeah. That uh well there was a Canadian uh Western singer songwriter guy that came through Amarillo and played at Golden Light, uh Coulter Wall. Oh nice. And he was yeah, that dude's a big deal. That was a really cool thing that that guy came through Amarillo, you know. And it was because of uh, a guy that I grew up with, Caleb Alleman, that he came through and Caleb's a musician too. And Caleb's just one of those guys that's always been like able to make connections Mm-hmm. everywhere do anything so he's he spent a lot of time like uh you know just traveling around with different musicians and so he i guess buddied up with this dude Coulter wall and they played a show here in amarillo when the big rodeo was going on mm-hmm. and uh anyway it was really kick-ass Coulter wall is a super That's awesome. musician canadian though hell yeah well you are a if, if the listeners haven't noticed yet um singer songwriter um, I talk, I reference you a lot just cause I'm always, people are always like Stuart. And then we talk about you. Like we talked about <laughs> me and Travis talked about you for like 45 minutes. Yeah. Thanks. We almost I called it that. the Stuart that episode. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, yeah. thanks. Yeah. I've been meaning to have you back on cause all we talked about was like the environment, which yeah. it was a great conversation, but we just didn't talk about your, your music at all. So. That's cool. Well, I'm glad to be back, man. Thanks yeah. for having me here. Thanks for coming. I'm glad to talk about my music. That's all that's been on my mind. It's all, it's all I care about anymore. Awesome. So yeah, we're gonna beat a dead horse because we just discussed this before we started recording. <laughs> but um, you had a job as a teacher and you hated it. I'm guessing. Sounded like you didn't want to be there. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I essentially at the end of the day, it was not the not the right job for me for one, but it was just kind of. I don't know. I guess I'll just leave it at that. It wasn't the right job for me, and I needed to get out, and I knew that I wanted to do music more than mm-hmm. anything else, and uh, I was kind of scared to leave because I you know, had racked up a whole lot of debt just like in college and just like, you know, just oh, yeah. Spe- living, you know. Speaking of the choir. And so <laughs> teaching was like, you know, I was doing really well financially teaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least for a, you know, a 25-year-old guy or yeah. whatever, you know? And um, then, anyway, I just didn't want to get out of it and, like, you know, not know what to do for money. And that's kind of the situation I'm in now. It's, you know, I quit, and then I started working at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I'm still kind of like, oh, shit, I got to I gotta make more money if I want to stay afloat, you know? But the band, like, honestly, that's... Oh, after I quit teaching and I just started doing music full time, I don't give a shit about my debt. I don't really think about it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, 
Cause like, all right, everybody mm-hmm. owes a shit ton of money all mm-hmm. the time, it's, especially in the U.S. You know, like mm-hmm. everybody here, like we're all in fucking debt, and there's no way that the student <laughs> debt is ever going to get paid. Yeah, no fucking <laughs> way that that money is going to be created. That's just ridiculous to set mm-hmm. up that kind of expectation for a society. That's the only but, debt you can't get rid of: student loans. Do you know that? Even if you file bankruptcy, you still owe. Really? Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Oh, man. It's super... I don't understand it at all. But yeah, that debt stays with you until you pay that shit off. That is... Okay, well, I'm going to die to see <laughs> that, it sounds like. Yeah, shout out debt. I don't... I mean, honestly, if you don't think about it, is it even real? You know? It's kind of like... you know, pol- It's a number in a fucking computer system. Do polar bears exist? Like- I don't know. I haven't seen one. That's <laughs> how I feel about debt. Uh, I've heard about it. <laughs> that's exactly it it's like i'm 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 perfectly fine and healthy i'm so much happier now than i was and i mean i don't know how i'm gonna pay any of this money back yeah. i don't have like you know at least with teaching it was like oh yeah i can just pay this every month mm-hmm. and then after 10 years like my student loans will be forgiven mm-hmm. if you're a teacher that's like a lot of times that's what they'll do but it was so stupid mm-hmm. <laughs> i just knew that i did not want to do it I, there were a lot of things that I liked about it, a lot of things that I loved, you know, Mm -hmm. and especially like the kids, you know, it was really cool, like getting Mm -hmm. to actually be in that position where, you know, it kind of makes you take charge of your adulthood a little bit Mm -hmm. and kind of like claim that and go, oh, I have to be responsible. Like there's somebody that like needs me in their life kind of, you know, and that was definitely a pressure that I think was a little too heavy for me. Um, Just because, yeah, like. If I'm not at school, you know, on the weekends, I'm at the bar just getting, like, drunk and playing music, and mm-hmm. it just kind of wasn't, I mean, I don't know. I preferred to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's always something you can fall back on, probably, right? Actually, I mean, probably, it would be very hard for me to fall back onto it, because uh, <laughs> I was not, like, I was not completely done with my teaching program. Mm-hmm. I need to stop playing with this thing. Oh, it's all good. It doesn't affect the audio. It's just our our headphones. Just our headphones. Yeah. That's okay. Well, anyway, I yeah, I loved a lot of the things about teaching, but at the end of the day, it just was not something that. Anyway, yeah, yeah, didn't didn't light a fire in thought. you. <laughs> no, I understand. I was doing um, selling insurance for like three years. For that same reason, just because it, it got me a check, it was easy money. But I was like planning on how to quit, how to get out of it. And yeah, I was like doing a bunch of other stuff. And I feel like once you find something that you love, like music, comedy, whatever thing you want to pursue, like everything else just doesn't matter. It really much. doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like you don't really care. Like, yeah, I mean, as long as I can keep making music, recording mm-hmm. music, playing with this band, you know. Like, we have a, you know, we're, right now we kind of have a six-month plan, you know, Mm -hmm. of we're going to do some recording, we're going to get the songs that we have together. They're all brand new songs, too, like, so we're excited about that, and so we want to record those, and then we want to start playing shows, and it's so funny doing the musician thing with other people, because I'm so used to just doing it on my own Mm -hmm. for so long that now it's like, for one, the live show is so much better. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, a band is so much more interesting to watch than just Mm -hmm. one dude, you know? Yeah. And so 
unless that dude is really good, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm not saying that I'm bad, but I'm not. Oh, you're fantastic. You know, I'm not like the, you know, like it wouldn't be the same as watching. Oh, shit. Just, I don't know. Name any singer songwriter that, you know, is that you respect, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. It's there's it's hard to pull that off. And like, I feel like I've had a couple of nights where it was like, yeah, there's no other way I should have played that show. It was perfect being just me and the acoustic guitar and mm-hmm. the crowd was into it, you know. But even last night, like on our first show, you know, your first show as a band, especially if you've only been playing for a month, like we were great, but we were also very sloppy. You mm-hmm. know, it was just like, yeah, you can tell this stuff is like, you know, not polished. and. Yeah. So, anyway, last night, though, there were more people at that show, and they were more, like, into what we Mm -hmm. were doing than most every show that I've played Mm -hmm. as a singer-songwriter. That makes sense. I mean, because there's no bar there, you know. I think that's the most distracting thing at every live event. Yes. Is the people who aren't there to see you are just like, ah, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Trying to drink this beer. Yeah. No, that's... That's the thing with a lot of places. Like, it's really venues and artists have to be on the same page for what kind of show is going to be played. That's like, because I've had so many times just as a solo artist where people are like, oh, come play our event, you know? And their idea of the event is me sitting there in a corner just kind of Mm -hmm. playing something real melodic. People talking over you. Pretty, yeah. And it's like, uh, but they'll but they'll ask me to come play a show, and they're like, "Hey, we we want you to come perform a show for us." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, if you want a show, if you want me to be like the thing that your mm-hmm. thing revolves around, then let your thing revolve around the thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But tell me up front, like, if you want. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of something you learn along the way. So I kind of start asking questions like that too. When somebody comes to me, it's like, okay, so like, what do you think kind of background music or do you want like a show? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it helps to have that conversation, but sometimes venues, I think, um, don't really know their crowds, especially if it's a bar, they don't know what their crowd wants. They know what the venue wants, you know? Mm -hmm. And they'll say like, oh, okay. Like we want, you know, a really good show or whatever. And then you show up and it's like the crowd is not the crowd that they thought that they were throwing a show for the crowd that they have is the same local people who just wanted to go and have their drink at their Mm -hmm. bar and be like, what the fuck is going on here? Shut the fuck up band. You know, (laughs) (laughs) well, they're nicer to, uh, you know, musicians usually than comedians. People get a stick up their ass sometimes about it. So, about comedians, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> Just stick like, up their ass. Like if you're doing an open mic somewhere. Like I did. Uh, I haven't done it in a long time because they didn't like me. But uh, Rounders, I went there for like an open mic and oh, just yeah. did like try to do. I've never been to Rounders. Try to do stand up and there, there was a guy at the bar who was like, "Shut the hell up!" And oh, it was just like fuck that. Same thing with Duke Tracy's because uh, you know Chaz Sotella, right? Yeah, he had this. Um, I- he had this idea was where we're like we're gonna do stand up uh, in between karaoke. It's gonna be cool, and I'm like, no, it's it's not gonna work. I mean, I'll go and do it with you, but it's gonna be a disaster. And it was exactly what I expected. Like, yeah, <laughs> like as soon as that, we started doing, like, <laughs> as soon as we started doing stand up, this table of people got pissed, and he's like, I'm not listening to this, and they like stormed out. And I was like, cool, okay. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's like a place like Duke Tracy's where everybody's going there to just do the karaoke thing mm-hmm. most of the time, you yeah. know. So it's like. You try to do something new in a place that only does one thing, and there, yeah, that's gonna have a problem. I'm sure the element of surprise doesn't work well. 
Yeah. Not in Amarillo. I'm sure. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, that's cool. So black caskets, black caskets. Yeah, it was cool. We wore we wore makeup last night, mm-hmm. you know, and we all had like a different design. I had a like a black stripe right across my face. Hell yeah! And uh, Devin, the bassist, had kind of like more of a uh, oh more of a kiss inspired thing going on, where he had kind of like um, a star zigzag around both of his eyes but it was kind of like a singular mask and there was like gold oh, that's on dope. it yeah and then uh our bass player brandon kind of had these like skeleton eyes with just like black and i mm-hmm. think next time like if i have any say in it at least uh i liked the way that Devin's makeup looked but um i think it would be cooler if we were all just going with the black Actually, mm-hmm. a little bit of gold may be good, but not as much gold as he had on last mm-hmm. time. But it was cool as hell. It was like, mm-hmm. we all got so fired up about it. And that's what's been so cool about this band is like, uh, you know, it's hard to like, especially with so many people who have their own projects, it's hard to get together and get committed to something, you know, and just any kind of thing, especially when it's something that doesn't pay, you know, mm-hmm. um, and being in a band doesn't really pay, you know, like you can make some money at a show but the amount of hours that you have to spend practicing and stuff like that like you really got to love it and enjoy it you know yeah and And you all have separate jobs and obligations yeah and so um it was just really cool that both of these guys you know or all three of us you know were just so on board like um i've kind of always had a tough time playing with people and like it's just always been kind of hard for me to get a band together but these guys just kept showing back up in my house every time i was like hey let's you know should we get together and they started sending in the message and being like hey let's get together and jam and then finally we just started having a conversation about it Devin and I got really into it and we we're like yeah let's make this band mm-hmm. let's do let's do something like what what do we th- you know feel like all of these songs are representing like how do we we start you know learning about each other how the other people uh-huh. play and kind of start developing that sound you know and I think that what we came up with you know fits it pretty perfectly and then it was really just kind of like a couple of days before the show that we were like, oh, let's wear makeup, mm-hmm. you know? And that was just a lot of fun. And then we all wore black. I'm actually just wearing the same nice. shit that I wore last <laughs> night. Is Are you in a different, um, like as a group, are you in a different mindset when it comes to like writing? Because like black, black caskets, from what you're telling me, it sounds like it's more of a more of a darker vibe. And I've always, when I've seen you perform, I get more of like a lighter, like happy Maybe not necessarily happy, but like kind of like on the humorous side, like went yes. to a party type thing. Like I, f- I can't remember. The name. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna butcher he the was lyrics. The weirdest guy yeah, at yeah, the yeah, party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh, I mean, there's still a little element of that in there, but I would say that it's more like um, rather than just being. Oh, you know, like, I, I, I kind of want to take a, 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 a bit of a cynical approach to lyricism. Mm-hmm. Not not like through and through, like, not so much like like Father John Misty. Like, I, he's a big influence of mine, but I don't want to be that. Like, I don't want to be just constantly, nice. like, you know, critiquing everything. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there is, like, a certain level of, like, just my songs, you know, even writing them in this band, they kind of are criticizing one thing or another. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there is a different element. And some of them are just fun. Like, we wrote this song called Black Potion that is just about witches. 
that's all it is. It's just a song just like about, and it's really a song about the imagery just says all of these different things and all of these things that like witches do, you know, and that's really a song just for that. But anyway, there's, um, the lyrics that I've been writing. Yeah. Just, they are taking on like, and the songs in general are taking on a different like vibe than what I do, you know, Mm -hmm. on my own. Um, and I'm kind of embracing it. Yeah. It's really cool. It's been a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Do you, um, what's your, I guess, how do I word this? Your, when it comes to writing, does it, does it come to you in spurts or do you have to get into a certain vibe or do you just have like a, a long list of like lyrics that you're just waiting to to make into something bigger no the lyrics are usually the thing that come last in a song Mm -hmm. or the way that i start writing is usually i'll come up with some kind of like melody on Mm -hmm. the guitar or just like a chord progression or maybe i'll come up with like a melody for singing in my head but it usually is kind of like i rely very heavily on just like spurts of creativity where it's like all of a sudden an idea for a song will kind of pop up and it'll be like, Oh, here's something. And then I'll start kind of working with it and seeing what happens. But usually that means that the music, the music is the first thing that kind of tells me what the, I don't know. Sometimes it just kind of depends. Sometimes I'll sit there and I'm really feeling something like if I'm feeling really, really sad, like, I don't know. It hasn't been this way in a lot, a while, but when I first started writing songs, I used to just get, so heartbroken about all of these girls that I Mm -hmm. was in love with when I was, you know, 14 and 15. And then in that sadness, I would go and, you know, sit Mm -hmm. down with my guitar and start writing something sad. And And that works for for a lot of musicians. I mean, it's a whole style. (laughs) You know, and what music is essentially like, or I think like one of the primary purposes that we use music for is uh, to understand feelings, interpret feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, you are just kind of feeling it out. Like, how do I feel right now, Mm -hmm. you know? And so um, sometimes when you sit down at the guitar, you're not really feeling anything, you know, in particular. Um, But I may have just like an idea or something like something that I want to play with that, I'll start kind of singing, and usually it comes out as like mumbling, just like, mm-hmm. and just like kind of mumbling the melody and yeah. making up stuff. And then eventually there will be some kind of line that just feels like it, it just kind of comes out of me quickly. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how this song, this one that I was talking about, that's just about the witches, mm-hmm. is it has this like, I came up with this guitar riff. Like, honestly, this was one that I'd pocketed like a few years ago. Mm-hmm. This guitar riff that's just got this really groovy, twangy, like kind of um, folky, uh, bouncy rockabilly rhythm or something, mm-hmm. you know? And um, then I started just singing to it one day, and the lyrics that just came out of my head, <laughs> granted, I had perhaps been under the influence at the time mm-hmm. but uh <laughs> the lyrics that just came out were the first lines of the song which are uh so salt your bed frame hide you a wolf frame bad witches come for you and it just you know i felt like this 
it just felt like a yeah, like I was writing a folk tale about yeah. like a witch, you know. That, and that little spurt just got me excited. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck yeah!" That sounded so dirty. That little spurt. That little got... spurt. <laughs> Not sexual. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, no, I started the. You know, the song kind of just developed from there. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna fucking write this song about witches and have just witches, witch imagery, mm-hmm. and just." talk about witches the whole time and it kind of fit with like the theme that we were going for with black caskets and just like Mm -hmm. or just like i guess what i had always wanted a band to be you know like every time that i dreamed about having a band i just wanted it to be the most band band that ever was that was just like we've got you know like kind of ridiculous in a way like being a little heavy cliche on just like like a name like Black Caskets, I feel like just sounds like it would be it would be a band name, you know, mm-hmm. and it definitely is, you know, just a little bit darker. And there's this kind of mystery behind it. And last night with the makeup and everything, yeah. and for the most part, we all kind of stayed quiet and like, you know, it was. And I and I didn't speak a whole lot on set, you know. I just introduced the band, and then we just started playing. And I just kind of wanted this, like, you know, this vibe. And that's really like what's been fun about this is that, as compared to writing my like solo stuff, is that, you know, my solo stuff always feels like this personal like journey mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know. And where I'm writing about the things that I'm facing in life, mm-hmm. and this is more just like this is what I want a band to look and sound like, you know? Yeah. So So it's it's like, like... it's totally, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of separating myself from it a little bit and being, you know, something that I used to like criticize, which was like, Oh, there are all these bands that are so obsessed with their image, you Mm -hmm. know? And I used to think that's so like, that's so lame, but it's Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day, like every band is really like most bands are trying to like capture an image. And then, the idea behind this one is that the image is just so like our first album. I we haven't well, this isn't official, but the working mm-hmm. name for the album that we're working on right now is Magic Skeleton, and it's just like the whole idea <laughs> behind it is just to be as like banned as possible. And mm-hmm. we have a song that we're working on called Space Gorilla. <laughs> just sounds fucking awesome, right? <laughs> it just sounds like some, just like some. Like you're gonna turn it on. You're gonna listen to some music from a rock band. That's exactly what it is. You know, like mm-hmm. that's that's the whole goal is just to be like we're a band. We play some rock music. Like I definitely want to smoke a blunt to Space Gorilla, dude. That's goals, <laughs> yes, right? No, I imagine that Space Gorilla, the majority of it, will be written in blunts. So. That sounds that sounds like a type of weed. Like I just. I got this ounce right. of space gorilla, bro. It's crazy. We've got all of these. Dis- we've got. We've just been coming up with like different, maybe song names, song ideas, and mm-hmm. just like ideas for the band and everything. And another mm-hmm. one that we came up with was uh, Chainsaw Possum, and just. <laughs> I fucking love. So that. it's just been like you know having fun, like just mm-hmm. playing with the idea of what a band is, what it means to have like you know just this kind of ridiculous theme, but it's also something that we just love and the music that we play, you know, I feel like is genuinely good music. It's not, that's awesome. And I do like try to put, you know, the attention, the same amount of attention on the lyrics that I would in my, cause in my personal writing, like, or in my, for my solo stuff, like there's a lot of thought that goes into the lyrics, mm-hmm. you know, kind of more than any other part of the song. I feel like, 
and I haven't put as much work into this as I did that because mostly I was just like before this week, like these songs were not even finished. They were like they were like just beginning parts and we would just play through them until mm-hmm. the song filled out. And so like over the course of like two days when we had like a band break, I just sat down and finished all of them. And then so it was like having to learn the songs all this week. So mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, it wasn't like the best writing I've ever done, but it was still stuff that I was like you know that's hell legit. yeah this is this is exactly what this is supposed to be you yeah know? that's cool so it gives you like a another form of creativity that you wouldn't be doing on your own yeah so. it's it's a totally different direction totally mm-hmm. different way that i'm kind of approaching the songs and like mm-hmm. what i'm trying to accomplish with them yeah for my solo stuff for a long time um it was just like kind of you know Really, and now now that I'm doing the music thing, it's like the solo stuff doesn't really matter anymore because the solo stuff was always about how I was facing my day-to-day job or how mm-hmm. I was just facing regular everyday life as somebody who wanted to play music mm-hmm. but, you know, didn't, you know, was kind of too afraid to. Yeah. And uh, so a theme to a lot of those songs that I wrote were just, you know, how I felt kind of trapped by society and um, that was... <laughs> you know very woe is me mm-hmm. and just kind of down on myself and i mean yeah. i wrote a song called despair <laughs> just like mm-hmm. that was the whole <laughs> idea is that everything sucked and you know mm-hmm. i wasn't happy and then now it's like shit i don't i don't really feel that way so i don't feel like writing those songs you know yeah that's good cool. it's like Different i've headspace. got this whole yeah it's like okay no now it's about the creativity it's mm-hmm. about how ridiculous i can get with this and get away with it mm-hmm. you know so that's what i'm that's kind of what i'm trying to do it's that's just, awesome yeah you're yeah. doing um something that i think a lot of creative people are afraid to do you know to step out of the comfort zone to quit that job i was going to quit the job but then i got fired so it worked out anyway oh, but nice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah kind of in the same boat to where it was like this job i feel like it's just stifling everything yeah. i want to do i just don't know how to quit and then they were like oh well you're doing a bad job so we're gonna have to let you go and i was like cool, cool. <laughs> works it was, for me it was the happiest i've ever felt to be fired it really was so well that's good yeah, yeah. it's kind of like nice. i uh i mentally like quit like six months prior yeah and then I was just showing up to get to collect the check. I feel like if I wouldn't have quit teaching, I probably would have been inevitably fired because especially in the end, dude, especially like just mentally, my whole world, I was just probably in the worst spot of my life mm. as far as mental health goes mm-hmm. while I was teaching. It was just driving me insane in so many ways. Like I f- fucking hate paperwork. I absolutely hate paperwork. And, you know, when you get into teaching, you're thinking that you're going to be standing there in front of a classroom and, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about why Socrates is so badass. But really, it was nothing like that. (laughs) Standing, oh man, just trying to get kids to just like care about anything. Mm -hmm. 14 year old kids, my God, they don't give a shit, you know? And so when you're sitting there trying to tell them that, you know, when you're sitting there trying to tell them to understand how to, uh, you know, do different analysis charts that just don't fucking matter, that nobody uses in their everyday life, you know, 
it's just ridiculous and to try to tell them that it's important some of the things some of the things that i taught i you know was totally on board with and i was like yeah this is something i think everybody mm-hmm. should know but a lot of it anyway and then so much paperwork that was really the killer was mm-hmm. just all of the fucking just constant paperwork just grading constant um grading and then like different things that we'd have to do for our department like eighth grade english and then we'd have to do stuff for all of eighth grade Mm -hmm. then we'd have to do stuff for the school we'd have to do stuff for the district we'd have to do stuff for the region the state Mm. you know and it's like why does everybody need you know you you, the the bullshit thing so (laughs) in office space you know, there's this great scene where at the beginning of the movie, you know, he goes in and uh, whatever, Peter, the main character, mm-hmm. Peter, you know, he goes into work and Ron Livingston, there we go. That's who I was really looking for. Ron Livingston's character, <laughs> Peter, goes into work and, uh, you know, he has all of his bosses come in one right after the other to tell him about this thing that he's done wrong. His TPS report wasn't mm. done the correct way. And it was exactly like that teaching. <laughs> it was just like, you'll have like, you, you know, we had like a lead teacher. So if I did something wrong, the lead teacher would come in and like, you know, be like, oh, hey, so I saw that you sent that email and you included this in there. Well, actually, we need to do it this way. And then mm-hmm. another boss would come in after that. It'd just be like, hey, Damn. so, yeah. So it was a lot yeah. of that. And there were, that like, towards the end, I was, it was pretty obvious to everybody that I was going to like just leave at some point soon (laughs) you know i started being pretty open about it and i was like yeah at the end of the semester i'm gonna quit Mm -hmm. but i didn't even last the end of the semester and it was it was honestly a really shitty thing i (laughs) it ended real horribly but i had been having these really bad days and i would go in and like I'd have to give myself a pep talk out in the car every single morning. Every single morning, I'd just be like, "All right, you can do it today. You're not gonna, you're not gonna walk out today. You're not gonna choke another kid. You're not gonna, (laughs) (laughs) dude. No." And it wasn't even that. It was mostly just administration and just the kind of pressure that's just, just unrealistic expectations that this particular. Well, anyway, it was just (laughs) ridiculous and. So, I was having all of these bad days, and there was one day where I had just had a really, really shitty day, and my mentor came in, and because they assign you mentors when you're a new teacher, and my mentor mm-hmm. came in and was like, hey, how's it going? And then I told my mentor, like, I kind of just came out and was just straightforward about everything, and I was mm-hmm. like, this is, I fucking hate this, you know? <laughs> I yeah. am not enjoying myself. This is, I'm, you know, I'm feeling like I... I'm I'm super depressed. Mm-hmm. I can't stand being here. I told her all of these things, right? And mm-hmm. she was cool and talked to me or whatever. But then the next fucking day, like, or no, wait, no, it was the same day that happened in the morning where uh-huh. I just like had a bad like first and second period class and they left. And then I had this like conference period during third period where I could like, well, most of the time I would be with my like department, but Anyway, my mentor had come and visit me, and then so later that day, after I told my mentor this, four more administrators came in to talk to me. Hey, how's it going? You doing all right? Like they mm. and trying to play it off like they hadn't just heard that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Stuart's about to have a fucking mental breakdown, <laughs> like you know. But the fact that they all came in and it, it's just like kind of seen like 
they're just trying to like follow some procedure, you know, they're not like, they don't really care, you know, they're just trying to like, and they have all of these strategies for dealing with teachers that who Mm -hmm. have, and that's the whole thing is the whole system is set up. Like they got a fucking system for every goddamn little thing. And it's like, don't, (laughs) don't just like have this system like for this, where you have to train everybody. Like just let people handle it like human beings, you know, treating them like factory workers. Damn it. Yeah. It would be so fucking stupid, man. And so I didn't yeah. realize uh, how much micromanaging was involved in teaching. That's yes. I thought it was just like the principal. Like when I was, you remember being in school, the principal would walk in randomly and be like, "Oh, okay, he's just checking on us." But other than that, I was like, "That's probably all they have to deal with." It's like the principal sometimes. No, it's like there's so much more <laughs> behind the scenes because the you know they're looking at all of your data, like mm-hmm. how are your kids testing, and. There is so much, like, they try to play it off like there's no micromanaging going on, mm-hmm. but there is so much micromanaging So it's like you're on. kind of like a small business owner. And, you're but. just trying to run your goddamn <laughs> classroom, yes. Yeah. You're just trying to run it, and the only thing that administration should be there for is support when you have rowdy kids, mm-hmm. which is something that... I was not offered at all. My campus had no campus-wide like behavior management plan. Wow. So it was, yeah. So it's like, and they would tell us all the time, like, oh, we're supposed to teach these kids consistency. Mm-hmm. And then they don't have any kind of consistent behavior management thing. So it's like at the end of the day, the only threat that you can give a kid is I'm going to call your parent. And for a lot of these kids who don't give a shit about their parents, yeah. they don't give a shit about you. You're just some fucking adult. Yeah. Trying to tell them what to do, you know? So, of course, they don't care. Mm. And then you try to tell administration. They're like, well, it seems like you've got a problem. It's like, yeah, I do. And you're supposed to fucking help me out, man. It's like you've got a problem. <laughs> it's like, it's so fucking stupid. Anyway, I that was the thing that I hated the most. was mm. just no support in the classroom. And I dealt with so many rowdy kids that the whole, you know, it would get to the point where I just couldn't even teach anything. And then... They try to put it on you like, oh, you're not a strong teacher. Of course, this happens because you're a first-year teacher. You don't know how to yeah. You don't know how to do behavior management. And so for a long time, I was just blaming myself for it oh, and just sucks. being like, oh, man, I'm just not connecting with these kids uh-huh. the right way. And then finally, by the end of it, though, I kind of realized how stupid the whole fucking thing was. Uh-huh. And I had just kind of resigned myself to not giving a shit. I stopped turning in all of anything that needed to be turned in. Mm-hmm. I was like, once I go home, I'm not putting any more work. Because I was working. Like, I would get up, get to the school by 6 a.m. I would leave work at 5, and then I'd go home and do more bullshit work. Oh, hell no. It was so dumb, yeah. That's and so, something you really, like, have to love. Working on the weekend. Exactly. Yeah. I did not care enough about it. Yeah. And I did not care enough to say that I was going to get better at it. Cause, mm-hmm. And I I tried to already, you know. I tried. I mean, I yeah. spent a whole, like six or seven months doing it before I finally was like, all right, fuck all of this, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, anyway, they, uh, just, so yeah, finally, like in the end there, I, uh, oh, I just, I just been having really rough days. I started calling in sick, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'll just calling in sick just so that I didn't have to go to work. And, uh, I kind of just, I don't know. It was it was really bad there at the end. I I did have like a I, I had a panic attack, a really bad panic attack while Dang. I was at work. I was just because I hadn't turned this thing in. There were all of these things that I had to do because I had stopped turning in 
things that we mm-hmm. do and n- just missed all of these deadlines mm-hmm. and I was kind of realizing that like if I didn't get out of there I was going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. I really felt that way. Yeah. I was like I'm going to end up just killing myself mm-hmm. one of these days because this place sucks. I hate yeah. the way I feel when I'm here and then I have to go home with these feelings too, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And um and I just knew that I wasn't doing what I meant to do, you know. I, and Absolutely. I really feel like I don't care if music is the thing that kills me. I don't care if I don't make any money doing mm-hmm. it. I don't care if nobody gives a shit about it. But I'm having so much more fun just doing it. And it makes me feel this sense of purpose. I'm less likely to be self-destructive, honestly, mm-hmm. when I'm making music, yeah. you know. It was crazy. Yeah, when I was teaching, that was when I was actually like being just you know, letting everything in my life fall apart. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm playing music, it's like all of a sudden I kind of care about what I'm eating you mm-hmm. know? And again. Yeah. And like, you care about your image. Yeah, yeah. Just caring about, yeah. Well, just in my body and yeah. like myself. And when I was teaching, it just got to the point where I just didn't, I didn't care about anything. Yeah. And I was getting drunk a lot, you know, mm-hmm. just drinking every night that I got home from work and so, yeah, at the end, I had this really bad panic attack, and then they had to pull me back into this back office and have, like, six fucking, like, HR representatives sitting... That's an exaggeration. It was really... <laughs> it was really two HR representatives. But there were six people back there. Mm-hmm. You know, these two HR representatives, like, one of my principals and this uh, other administrative mm-hmm. person, and they were all sitting there with their fucking pads and pencils asking me about my suicidal thoughts. Holy and shit. it was just like... Fuck this whole thing. Like, I just wanted to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And I just, and I was just up front and I was like, this is not going to work out. I, yeah. I can't do this. And it was, honestly though, the, the district was really cool when I finally made that decision. Cause you make a con, you know, you sign a contract to be there. Sell your soul to us. Yeah. <laughs> so I signed the contract and everything. And How long was the contract? Like two semesters? For a year. Oh, okay. For a year, yeah. Well, the academic year, yes, so two mm-hmm. semesters, basically. And uh, so I was breaking my contract. Um, and so because, though, that I broke that contract, essentially, I probably can't become a teacher again. Mm. At least um, what, I mean, it's technical. There's more technical, but yeah, if I wanted to get back into teaching, it would be, I'd have to go through, like, all of the teaching training and mm-hmm. stuff again, you oh, know, it, which is, like you know, a long, long process. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, yeah, definitely not something that I think I'll ever get back into. I could definitely understand that. Um, I want to follow up. I have two points to make, but first, uh, I'm curious, uh, that panic attack where you just like in class, like having trouble breathing. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Luckily it didn't happen around any students. That mm-hmm. was the nice thing. Um, I had already like, <sighs> I was coming in after a day where I had called in sick, mm-hmm. and uh, I just woke up that morning in a bad mood, and I just, I had already been having just really bad days, like, oh man, it's so crazy to think about just where my mind was just a few months ago, mm-hmm. you know, just where I was at no more than like, you know, almost three months ago, and it was it's just kind of night and day different. But yeah, I was uh, freaking the fuck out, just feeling like this is it. This is the end of like yeah my life here mm-hmm. in this fucking building. Mm-hmm. This is I could see it 
going the worst way for yeah. me, just hating it, you know? And you see, you and, witness plenty of teachers like that going through the system. Yeah. Who had just given up on life and just like, oh, fuck it, we're going to watch Fantasia. <laughs> Shout yeah, out Skylar. That was right. a Skylar Potter reference. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> that was... That was something I did. I'd play a movie every now and then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I played a couple of movies I probably shouldn't have played too, or at least things that I like. Like we watched Venom, which has an f bomb in it, and you know Venom like bites people's heads off. Yeah, and there were all these like foreign students that I had too in my uh-huh. classes who were just kind of like innocent in a yeah. way because they had never been exposed really to like movies, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so they're seeing all this. We've got all these terrified like. <laughs> Uh, that's funny all these terrified like kids who can't really speak english watching this big black venom monster biting heads off at us that's interesting it was kind of crazy that was what stuck Mm -hmm. out to me but anyway no yeah i the whole panic attack was just it was not the first panic attack i'd had at work either you know it was just but it was the worst one because i could I, i just like I just kind of lost. I started breathing real hard, yeah. and you know, it's almost kind of like sometimes you don't really know that it's coming on, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was just, yeah, I started breathing real hard, and um, I was just trying to, trying to get my stuff ready to go to a meeting, mm-hmm. and uh, I called my dad, and I just called my dad before. I I don't know. I could feel something like I just was feeling like shit. I just been. <laughs> feeling bad and I was like dad I may I may quit my job today because mm-hmm. I'd been thinking about it and then well, I don't know it just happened and what then, was his response it, it, was he, he was like cool supportive with it. of it he was real yeah. supportive yeah he he had known that I'd been you know I think my both of my parents were pretty understanding of mm-hmm. the whole thing which was cool um you know every time that they were around me I was just in a bad mood and I did nothing but just complain about my job mm-hmm. when I was around them and so, um, I think they were both really happy to see me making that decision, actually. That's good. That's yeah. good to hear, because I feel like the uh, generation before ours, like, I've heard people say, like, eat shit, cash checks. Like, when yeah. I told my mom I wanted to quit my job, she was like, because I didn't like it, she's like, you're not supposed to like your job. Like, I fucking hate my job, but this is like, <laughs> and I think that's, that's just, that's such a, yeah. yeah. Well, That's kind of what we're taught to do, you know? Go to college. And then get a job that pays well so you can pay off college. It doesn't matter if you like it. Just do it. Because yeah. you can enjoy life when you get home. Yeah. But then you realize I that's, that's 40 that teachers, hours of my week. Like that's the, most of my fucking week. The thing <laughs> that teachers used to always tell me growing up, like, do you want to go to college or do you want to, like, you know, serve burgers at McDonald's? Mm-hmm. And it's like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, and then you didn't realize they were making they were making 30K a year. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. That was so stupid. I, you know what? That whole, I, I, I don't regret college, mm-hmm. but what a fucking like scam. To, oh, absolutely. You know, be told like just that it's something, or to have that kind of pressure that you know this is something if you really want to make a name for yourself, and it's like, it's like society. For a lot of people, it does work. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people go through the system and they're just fine. But yeah. there is also a lot of people who don't. Yeah, and it's like the system is only set up for people who want to either be a part of somebody else's empire or, you know, 
maybe try to build their own yeah. or there's this whole idea that's american you know that's that's the the american dream you know mm-hmm. that you can be what you want to be you can build whatever you want to build yeah and it's like so fucking false when you've got yeah. amazon walmart mm-hmm. places like that mcdonald's shit starbucks and don't get me wrong i love working at starbucks mm-hmm. starbucks has been great yeah starbucks has been the best job mm-hmm. to get after teaching oh yeah it doesn't pay very well at all yeah but it's like <laughs> so nice the work and everything you know it's just so much better but these corporations you know it's like starbucks is you know stealing the soul out of like you know things like that like you know kind of steal the soul of like localism 806 yeah. exactly and so it's like makes it very difficult to start your own business and grow. So you do kind of have to like settle into being part of somebody else's giant empire mm-hmm. and being a cog in their machine. Yep. It's like the nation is set up to just like let these little kingdoms grow. Yeah. But the kingdoms are just corporations that mm-hmm. have locations in all of these different places, you know? And mm-hmm. anyway, it's insane. Yeah. And it's wrong. That was, <laughs> uh, that was my issue. Cause I got a degree in advertising public relations and I was like, I can make fun commercials, you know, but mm-hmm. then it was like, I'm going to go get a job for an ad agency and I'm going to have to follow their rules and I'm only, I'm not going to get to be my funny self. I'm going to have to do their approved style of funny. Yeah. And then I was like, fuck that. Like, I'm going to do my thing and yeah. see where that goes. Even if it doesn't, even if I'm broke, like, fuck it. I'm going to see, see if I can do this thing. Something yeah. Way more creative where I have control. Yeah. No, I totally get it, man. It's. And and then everybody, I fucking hate that everybody's just telling you, well, yeah, that's just the way it is. You got to pay your dues, and I think to mm-hmm. a certain degree, you do have to pay your dues a little bit. You got kind of, you got to be a part of the system to a certain degree. Like yeah. you know, for instance, even just like being in a band, like you know, you got to take what you can get sometimes, and I mean that in so many different ways. Like for instance. Last night, we didn't know these other guys that were playing. I think ideally, you want to play with people who kind of sound like you, you know? Like, put on a show with like people. And (sighs) these other two bands, you know, it was very, very opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, the first band that went on, Odd Rot, uh, they were like a, oh, I think they were a five-piece, maybe just a four but they, you know, these guys that go up there with all of this equipment, they've got just decked out equipment, you know, and they're, uh, they're playing like, uh, progressive stoner doom metal, like, uh-huh. you know, just going all out and like, they've got a dude that's got like seven different keyboards, you know, and he's oh, playing all sorts of different shit. Yeah. It was, it was kind of impressive. Yeah. I mean, they were, they're pretty good. Excuse me. And then the next band that went on, who was also at a new group they i guess they that last night was also their first show honey jug and these are <laughs> there were a bunch of baristas from palace or oh, yeah. these three baristas that got up there and like did this folk thing together you know mm-hmm. where they were singing and it was just so different than what the band before them had done that's you such know? a palace thing to do and so it's like <laughs> yeah so it's like when you, <laughs> when you kinda, they were good though they were really really good um but the um the what made it so funny is that, you know, it was just so different. Like, you know, like people, if people were going there to like listen to a certain kind of music, then they got fucked because mm-hmm. it was kind of all over the place, you know. And then my band went on and uh, we played, you know, 
I guess it was kind of cool because I, I would feel like we were kind of a blend between those two things, like mm-hmm. folk and then this, yeah, like heavier thing that's going on, you know. But was, uh, did you see like any like shocked faces or anybody uncomfortable, or did it all like? No, it was all perfectly well fine. Okay. Yeah, but it's just like when I say that you know, it's like you got to take what you can get. That's kind of part of paying your dues mm-hmm. for being a musician. Is you gotta like. You got to be cool with just kind of playing. Yeah. Like, I think to a certain degree, then you are, you know, you kind of work your way up to a point where you can start saying no to yeah. things, you and know. And you're, you're paying your dues on something that you have set goals for. Yeah. And it's it's not like you're paying your dues so one day I can be working this administration and maybe suck less dick than I'm sucking right now. Like, that's <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's totally it. Who's going to suck my dick? <laughs> I can't wait. It's <laughs> exciting stuff. No, that's totally it, though. It's like you have to... I just hate that there there is the way that society does it. Like, like you're not actually working for anything. It's like you're putting in time until something happens. Mm-hmm. Like... Oh, you've been a partner with the, or you've been part of the company for yeah. you know twenty years now. So what we're gonna do is we're going to uh, qualify you for our um, assistant supervisor program. And you've got health <laughs> insurance. You've got a retirement plan. You can yeah. stop at sixty-five. It's like the corporate thing. Don't get me wrong. There's so many great things about like corporations. Corporations they they do have their employees' backs a little bit, you know, and they like. They'll kind of unless uh, you tweet something wrong. Just depending on yeah the situation, <laughs> but I don't know. You know there are companies that like because they're so big they can offer like new people like mm-hmm. you know moving costs and stuff like that, and but, that's cool. That like a small business can't yeah. provide really benefits, you know, mm-hmm. or anything like that. They can't pay your insurance or anything like that, and so that's kind of like what's nice about Starbucks. You know, is they yeah. provide all of those things that you know. Mm-hmm. You, but that's just another part of the system. Like yeah. you gotta have health insurance. Yeah. What, then, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> and then at the end of the day, like, you're still just a number. Like, when it, com- when it comes down to it, it's yeah. like, you're replaceable. Exactly. No, especially if you, especially if you're working in a place like, um, you know, Starbucks. And like, yeah, that's not Starbucks I mean, specifically, I, I but hate, any I shouldn't be saying this because I love working at Starbucks. <laughs> and Starbucks is like a, you know, honestly, has been a great place for me. I how's, love it How's there, the but, food there? Dude, oh my god! Is it good? Right now, I'm so addicted to this holiday panini. Then they have, and all it is is just, just two pieces of like panini bread mm-hmm. with turkey and stuffing in between, and it's just so good. Not everything on the menu is great, you know, but mm-hmm. um, the uh, the the paninis are okay, you know, and especially that holiday panini though. Every time we Every time, we run out of them sometimes, but mm-hmm. when we have them in there, I almost always get one. <laughs> I always see like the food on display, and I'm like, man, one day I'm going to try this, but I never yeah. do. It's it's not like... Because I feel I like it's all... You it, get it all prepackaged, right? Pretty much, yeah. So yeah, see, that's the only yeah. thing where it's like, if they had a, like a kit, if I knew they had a kitchen back here, I'd be and like, And they were like I'm genuinely down. making it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Starbucks does not have time. See, that's the other thing that it does. It kind of... Like, I don't want to say it's stealing the soul of coffee, but it's it is kind of like uh, 
I don't know. It's just kind of changing, I guess, the way that we think about yeah. what coffee is. Well, they found, like, they found the most efficient way to do it. Exactly. So you can produce several <laughs> drinks. in, yeah. And that's what sucks about it is that it, like, it is constantly busy there. Mm-hmm. Just constantly. You're constantly. And if you are a person who is on bar making drinks, like you are not stopping the entire time. You're just constantly going. Constantly making drinks. And... So it's kind of got that, you know, bit of stress. Still nowhere near as stressful as teaching, you yeah. know. But there is, like, that level of, like, oh, shit. Like, I got to get this drink done so that I can get to the next drink. I hope I don't fuck this drink up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, there is, like, I st- Starbucks is to blame for people feeling entitled to efficiency, you know. Mm-hmm. When things go wrong in a place like Starbucks... People get so pissed. This lady came in the other day and was being a royal bitch. <laughs> Just like everything that she was. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Just hearing myself in my left ear. It feels weird. <laughs> but anyway, she, uh, yeah, she came in and like um, our ticket system that prints like what the drink orders are mm-hmm. had malfunctioned. And so it wasn't printing tickets. Mm-hmm. She had placed an order, and we were also at a time where we were going through a shift change. So a couple new people were coming in, and mm-hmm. a couple of people were hopping off. And we were also doing just kind of like routine chores, like cleaning the oven, doing mm-hmm. all of these different things. So it was just kind of like a timing thing where it was yeah. like, okay, like not everything is running as smoothly as it could right now. Yeah. But our ticket system broke, and so... She had been waiting. She hadn't been waiting more than two minutes, though. Mm -hmm. She had gotten, she placed her order, and then she went to go stand by where we served the drinks, and she saw that nobody was making any drinks. Mm -hmm. And she literally, one of the guys that's, like, walking behind her, she grabs him and is like, hey, uh, I just put in a drink order, and it doesn't look like there's a single person making a drink back there. And he was like, oh, I'm sorry, can you tell me what you got? She was like, oh, fuck, I got to tell you what I've got. Like, she, <laughs> yeah, she was cursing and shit, too. And she was like, oh, my God. It's like, dude, yeah. And so we went back there and we, he didn't see the tickets. He was like, I'm so sorry, I'm not seeing the tickets. He didn't realize that mm-hmm. the ticket machine was malfunctioning. And so she was just like being a real bitch. She was like, mm-hmm. oh, of course, this is right, you know, when I've got, you know, 30 minutes to be somewhere. It's like, don't come in and place a fucking six drink order when you've got 30 minutes to be somewhere anyway, asshole. Oh, like, man. God. And I know she went somewhere like after that. Whenever she got there, she's like, they took forever at that Starbucks. I'm not going back to that Starbucks. Yeah. I'm going to write a letter. Oh, my God. Total <laughs> bitch. I'm going to leave a Yelp review. See, and that is my problem with it, is that she would not have had that expectation if it wasn't like that most of the time where we did just get right on it mm-hmm. and get the drink out to her. Yeah. And it's like... That's why I love a place like 806 that will straight up just tell a customer no. You know, they have the balls Mm -hmm. to just face up to indecency, Mm -hmm. you know, where all of these other places, you know, corporate corporate businesses are all about pleasing the customer Mm -hmm. because they know that that's what it is. Like if you're if you're nice to a shitty asshole, you're still going to make more money. Like, yeah, but (laughs) anyway, it makes it so. It's just something that, yeah, I think has created a big problem in American society, Mm -hmm. just where, you know, 
like for instance like christmas is such a horrible holiday because it's all about consumerism it's all about oh, buying selling things it's no longer every I mean, yeah, single holiday i guess like there's the tradition and if of course if you're a christian you know then you've got the tradition thing going and you yeah. you know there there's a little more meaning there for you but for your average fucking american citizen like it's just christmas lights and fucking presents you know yeah. and it's <laughs> Like, there's no, like, and the idea of a turkey, you know, or just a family dinner, like, and it's just, like, so cliche. And what they should do on Christmas Day, in order for Christmas to be, like, an authentic, like, Mm -hmm. cultural, you know, societal holiday, every place needs to shut the fuck down. It doesn't care. Even if it's the thing that fucking Mm -hmm. kills you, you know? Every place needs to shut down on Absolutely. Christmas. And it's, it's like, because it, there just <laughs> needs to be one day out of the year. And Christmas is the perfect holiday for it, mm-hmm. where everybody says, we are not going to work. We're not going to do anything, but take time to mm-hmm. just, even if you don't want to celebrate Christmas, just do something, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Spend and time with your family. Yes. But that's, we can't but don't even have celebrate. But don't have the wheel turning the whole yeah. fucking time. Like, <laughs> it's... Ugh. It pisses me off. I've, now that I've been doing a little bit of drinking, now I'm mm. just going into rant mode about yeah, everything that pisses me Every, off. Everything's about consuming. You can't even like have a full Thanksgiving anymore. It's like, oh, Black Friday sale starts Thanksgiving Day, 2 p.m. Can I finish <laughs> eating my fucking turkey, bitch? <laughs> Dude, the Cowboys are still playing. All of these people that come into <laughs> Starbucks, and like we have a lot of really, really great customers, you know, but one thing that I'm just kind of, I mean, it's just us, you know, people complaining about. Like going out and shopping for Christmas presents, mm-hmm. like it's such a first world problem. <laughs> oh my god! Like oh, it's been a hectic day out there yeah. shopping for presents. Yeah, people are getting <laughs> their heads sawn off in Africa. But we're like, ah, oh, gotta go to Walmart three times a day. <laughs> and then there's this like shitty pressure, especially if you're poor, when then you can't provide that yeah. shit. So That's I remember. How I feel right now. See, I remember growing up. <laughs> see, I I was destined to hate Christmas because when I was growing up, you know. I was definitely told the Santa story. I feel like I'm just the shitty. I was just the shittiest kid about it, because, you know, I would ask Santa for something, but Santa could never get me what I wanted. Mm -hmm. But he would always get my friends what they wanted. (laughs) You know, so I was like, for one, as a little kid, that fucked with my ego Mm -hmm. because it made me think that I was, you know. That I wasn't good enough. That I wasn't a good kid. You know, mm-hmm. I really had a problem with Santa as a kid because he never got me what I wanted. Yeah, and he would just straight out screw it up sometimes. But it was just my fucking poor parents doing their best. Yeah. You know. But then I'd be this little asshole kid who just couldn't appreciate mm-hmm. those things and just thought that I was being fucked over. You know. <laughs> I and just so, I'm picturing you as like a like a little Eric Cartman right now. <laughs> <laughs> I would get so pissed about it, dude. And then finally. Finally, I started realizing that, oh, it was just, you know, it was my parents, you know, and Mm -hmm. then anyway, they're, you know, they're trying to buy presents for five different kids, but they, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a hard thing to do on its own, but, you know, and then they couldn't buy us the things that we really wanted, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it just wasn't possible. And then just the whole idea of like, why the fuck do I want these things anyway? Yeah. This is such an empty thing to want. So I just stopped asking for presents yeah. at a certain point. It was just like, that's so fucking dumb to just... That's awesome. Yeah. You I know? thought that once you hit like 
your teens, you're just like, I don't really need anything. Like, I'm fine. I have, yeah, exactly. I have a closet I mean, full I of clothes. I would have like a, I, I would start setting reasonable expectations and I'd mm-hmm. be like, actually, it'd be nice to have like a cool new pair of jeans mm-hmm. or something like that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I agree. It is but, so empty. That's probably the wrong message to be sending kids. Right. To just like want things and then yeah. get them because you asked Santa for them. Yeah. Like, but <laughs> sometimes Santa doesn't give them to you. Like, mm-hmm. That was, yeah, yeah. Just like Billy down the streets, an asshole. Like, he got everything. I, know that <laughs> I I feel bad if my parents listen to this because I, they did a really great job, you know, mm-hmm. and they were really wonderful parents. But um, yeah, the whole Santa thing kind of fucked me up when I yeah. was little. You know, I I really struggled with it. It would yeah. some, it was something that pissed me off. I hated Santa Claus. I feel that. No, I always I gave up on Santa pretty early. Cause like we never lived in a place with a chimney, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna let Santa on the front door." Like this doesn't even sound reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, my like, mom, my mom would buy something in like July, and be yeah. like, "This is your Christmas present." I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. that was, works. It would piss me off. Yeah, I think that I guess the real lesson here is that uh, I wasn't the best kid because I was just so jealous of everybody else. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what it came down to. Is it was a jealousy yeah, thing for me, you... like seeing everybody else. Because my parents weren't totally anti video game too, mm. or they were pretty anti video game. So like everybody else was getting you know Playstations, Xboxes, and yeah. all of that, and it was just it was just so out of the question mm-hmm. for me. And like, I, but that's what I wanted more than anything. Mm-hmm. And they... <laughs> they got you Pong? They... From they, 1978? No, yeah. See, no, they wouldn't even do that. <laughs> they, my poor parents, they did, like... My poor, my parents did have a tendency to, like, just... They didn't really understand, like, the present sometimes. We, you know, they'd always have us make a list. Like, as kids, too, especially, mm-hmm. they'd have us make the list. Like, you know, what do you want from Santa? And I would be very specific about the kind of action figure that I wanted. <laughs> they had these Marvel legend. I loved action figures when I was a little kid. They had these Marvel legends. I was really, you know? I was really aggressive with my action figures. Like I broke most of them. Oh really? Just throwing them off of shit. No, I was delicate. Like, I want to see if they can fly, you know, <laughs> but I would do that. Like we would do things like we would put them in a cup of water and freeze them. Oh, and then nice. like use that, that as like a game, you know, like where they have to like, oh, they've got, you know, so-and-so captured in a block of ice <laughs> and the other guy's got to like, you know, That's a good out, idea. Right? That's my brother, 100%. He was the real <laughs> creative mind behind all of that. But uh, anyway, I so I had asked for these Marvel Legend. One year I was like really into collecting these Marvel Legend series action figures, which are now like, or the last time I checked, like a couple of the ones that I had are worth quite a bit of money today. Cause they were like, you know, they had all of the different joints that you could, uh, it wasn't just like the, the elbow and knee joints. It was yeah. like the whole thing, you know, you could got bend and contort and when stuff. action figures didn't have bendable legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Those if just straight like I can't even make them maybe walk. maybe the waist <laughs> would move you know and then you could flip the person like to where their mm-hmm. face was yeah, at their the butt like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what was the fucking point that's hilarious <laughs> but anyway so yeah one year I asked for these Marvel Legends and my parents did their best you know they went out and they definitely got me uh, a couple of those action figures mm-hmm. um, but what they got me was just not at all what I wanted, you know? Uh-huh. So they got me Professor X. Like, <laughs> <which> is, 
So he, he comes with a wheelchair. Exactly, he did. He came with a wheelchair. He just came with a wheelchair. I was like, not how is this the, supposed to be? Not even the young version. Yeah, I was like, how is this supposed to be fun? Like, this is just a dude in a wheelchair. Like, got, thanks for the thought, but you totally fucked this up. Like, we got you an inaction figure. Yeah, got you a senior citizen. And then there were yeah, call your granddad. So I asked for Godzilla action figures one year, right? I was like, I want some Godzilla action figures, mm-hmm. and they got me Mothra. Just like a butterfly, you know, and yeah. I was like, "What the fuck?" A fierce like, butterfly. Well, as a little boy, I thought that Mothra <laughs> was a fucking butterfly, and I uh, hated it. Funny. And I was just like, "What the fuck?" Like, I mean, it would just it would just piss me off because they would, <laughs> you know, they were telling me it was Santa, and Santa I was just doing like, this ironically. Santa, why are you fucking with me, Santa? He can't even, he can't even <laughs> get like my realistic expectation right. Like, this is like a seven dollar action figure, and you can't even get that right. Like, I can't, I get it, I can't get the PlayStation Two, mm-hmm. but the seven dollar action figure ought to be fucking right. It better be the badass yeah. thing that's got guns and shit that you can put in its hands, not a goddamn wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Santa just has this beautiful, sarcastic sense of humor. <laughs> An X Men, oh, I'm gonna get you the worst X Men possible. I know. <laughs> I was so frustrated as a child because of Christmas. So yeah, I hate Christmas for so many reasons. Actually, Christmas Day is not too bad. And my family actually has some really cool traditions on Christmas Eve now that are a lot of fun to do. We haven't, we don't always do this, but as we started becoming older and like, you know, like everybody, all of my siblings are adults now. So mm-hmm. we started doing this creative gift exchange where we would, uh, <clears throat> we started doing this creative gift exchange where we would, uh, <coughs> every year it's kind of like you do a secret Santa thing where you get somebody's name in the family. My mom kind of divvies it out. And, mm-hmm. We, you have to come up with something creative for that person. And you can't spend any money on it. Or that's kind of like, if you do spend money on it, it can't just be like a thing that you buy and give to them. You know, mm-hmm. it's got to kind of go together with something. And uh, so that's been a lot of fun. You know, that's always fun to look forward to at Christmas because there have been, and honestly, everybody's kind of stepping it up. Like each year, everybody kind of goes a little bit more mm-hmm. with what they're doing. This year, we're doing it a little bit different where we're grouped into different groups and our mm. group has to give some kind of presentation for the rest, you know? Nice. And so that'll be kind of fun. You know, it, we all get along really well and we all like to joke and laugh mm-hmm. around. So it'll be a lot of fun. But other than that, Christmas is, and Christmas music is the worst fucking music. Oh yeah, dude. Oh my Absolutely. God. I hate that shit. Why? I used to work, I used Why to work in retail thing? for the <sighs> longest time and it'd be, the day after Thanksgiving, nonstop Christmas, like twenty-seven different have versions. Have a holly of, jolly Christmas. There's so many versions like, of Jingle Bells. Uh, it's like how many people dude, are going to cover Jingle okay, Bells? Okay, yes, that's the <laughs> other thing. You can't just throw that fucking sleigh bell into a song and call it a Christmas song. You know that. <laughs> there's no, there's no new ideas. I hate that noise since like dude. since like 1890. There hasn't been one new Christmas idea song version. No. <laughs> like it's, there's, it's all just like, and the whole idea of just releasing Christmas music is so fucking dumb. Like, that's what I'm, see, this whole thing with Black Caskets, my whole thing is I want to do it. I want to do a Halloween album. Do some upside down I Christmas trees. Do, I want to I want to market the shit out of Halloween. Halloween is such a great holiday. Mm-hmm. Halloween is the perfect holiday, in fact, because it's just a party holiday. You yeah, know, they're, they're straight no, up about just it. Just like, yeah. You don't like, have to pretend it's about dress Jesus. Dress up. 
just like, have a good time. <laughs> just dress up. Just dress up and fuck around. Like, Hopefully you get your dick sucked. That's what I love. <laughs> exactly. No, seriously. And just like spooky things, scary things. It's like, you know, it's where society kind of like, honestly, yeah, it's kind of society like dealing with this. It's like the holiday for the counterculture, mm-hmm. you know? That's really what it is. That's a good way to put it. It's just like... Never thought of it that way, but yeah, absolutely. It's... I love Halloween. And anyway, so I have mixed feelings, obviously, about Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I hate half this movie. (laughs) No, I actually love that movie. That movie used to be like my favorite when I was a kid. I loved it. Yeah, I remember watching that as a kid. And my mom would be like, this doesn't scare you? And I was like, no. No? I I was into like a lot of like, I'd watch Chucky. Oh, like yeah. for fun. And I wasn't allowed to watch those like, movies. Those types of movies would terrify <laughs> kids my age, and I'd just be like, "This is kind of fun. Nice. <laughs> this is cool, dude." I was always fascinated by that. I remember going to like uh, the movie rental store. You know, when they still had VHSs, and mm-hmm. they'd have the horror section. They'd have all of the cool, like scary artwork, and you'd see yeah. like monsters and stuff. I always thought that was super cool. But I, and it, I think it made it even cooler that my parents didn't want me to watch yeah, it because it, then it was, it was like it made it more fascinating. Mm-hmm. And it was like, why? Like, what's the whole thing and then i remember like you know watching movies when i wasn't supposed to be mm-hmm. or just like you know watching it at a friend's house or, or my granddad would <laughs> the first like horror movie that i ever saw was scream 2 not even the first one scream mm-hmm. 2 but i had seen it and you know i i was obsessed with like the ghost face costume at halloween i'd see guys wearing that mm-hmm. everybody wore it you know but yeah. i still thought it was the coolest shit you know and those are still probably a top seller. Like they don't stop selling right? those. <laughs> it's such a great oh man. So yeah, Scream is a whole conversation like, I gotta have. I love the shit out of Scream. It looks like it's a like bike a seat. series. If you wore a bike seat over your face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way. Yeah, I never thought about it, but yeah, that chin that comes yeah. down. <laughs> That's funny. But no, I love that. I love that costume, and I thought that that movie was cool. So we were at renting movies, and my granddad wanted to rent a movie for him, and he's like, "Okay, yeah, you can go find a movie." Mm-hmm. I found Scream Two, and I was like, "Let's watch this." And That's so funny. we watched Scream Two, and I, as a kid, like I didn't really understand anything mm-hmm. about what the movie was about, you know. Yeah. And then there's this guy killing people, and mm-hmm. anyway, I loved the shit out yeah. of it though, but it scared me to death. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, "I've watched. I, hope that. I don't get killed <laughs> by Ghostface." I've watched scary movies so many times that like every reference in my memory is from scary movie parodying Scream. Like I don't even oh, remember. Nice. I don't even remember the movie Dude, Scream. I've never ever <laughs> seen Scary Movie. I've never ever. You seen, haven't. I saw Scary Movie three, and I saw Scary Movie two. Okay, maybe one and two are the best. Oh really? Three is pretty good, but everything after that is complete garbage. Yeah, but I never yeah. saw Scary Movie. One yeah. is the best. Second is. Close second, how most sequels nice. go. I should see Scary Movie. I, I mean, Original, Scream is yeah, just if, like... If you're a fan of Scream, you'd love that movie. It's just the the Waynes bros to absolutely make that movie. It's incredible. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> the same two brothers from part two. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> it's just instead of being in like a big haunted mansion, they're just... They're com- almost mimicking completely the Scream oh, series. Oh, gotcha. Nice. Yeah, it's funny as shit. That's cool. <laughs> so many classic lines. That's right. all we would do in high school. Me and my friends would just like get high and watch Scream. Oh, nice. Or talk about the movie. Or try oh, yeah. to freestyle really badly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no. See, okay, actually, so like with horror movies, I'm kind of going back through now and trying to watch uh trying to watch every uh trying to watch every nightmare on Elm Street. I hadn't seen all mm. of them, you know. There's and so right many. now I'm on 
number four, Dream Master. And it's mm-hmm. such a bad movie. Really? It is just one of the worst pieces of garbage that I've ever put into my mind. <laughs> but, I mean, it's got some kind of cool scenes, like, or just scenes that I kind of appreciate, like, just as a fan of horror, like, Freddy kills somebody on a beach in their mm-hmm. dream, and uh, the there's like a, a, a you think it's like a fin in the water but it's like the four claws you uh-huh. know and it kind of is kind of cool but it, then when freddie kills this girl he's wearing sunglasses on the beach uh-huh. <laughs> it's just like so <laughs> ridiculous and just such like a ridiculous scenario that this girl is on a beach in her dream and yeah. freddie fucking kills her at this sunny day like just yeah it's just so ridiculous and then there's this hilarious there's this scene where you can tell that the funding was just like obviously cut because they don't have Freddy in the scene. It's this guy in a dojo fighting, like karate fighting mm-hmm. an invisible Freddy. So you just see this dude doing all of this fucking like karate <laughs> shit. Is, is that at the end when they defeat him? No, this is like no, because he gets killed. He gets killed. That guy. It's like Freddy's killing everybody, and it was kind of after that that I stopped watching. That's funny. Actually, I don't know how much of the movie I have left. I watched a lot of those as a kid. Those are one of the few movies that scared me. That one and Children of the Corn. I don't know if you've watched those. Oh, I think I've only seen Children of the Corn once. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of the Stephen King horror Mm -hmm. movies. Like, I like yeah, The Shining was you know great, obviously, but um, I mean. Pet Cemetery. I still haven't seen that one or the remake. Yeah, see, I <laughs> I watched part of it. I I thought that it, the original it, was such a stupid movie. It didn't scare me at all, but I liked it. I, I just I thought it was a, I thought it was decent. I did. I remember trying to watch it and see. The thing is, is like nowadays when I watch a movie, I'm almost always like, I try to get high before I watch a movie because I know yeah. I'll enjoy. It. It's so hard for me to like sit through a movie. Yeah, I'm pretty cynical because it's just. I, I just well I just get like I just get really um I don't know like I'll have to like get up and go do something like I can't stay sitting yeah. really watching a movie for more than like 20 or 30 minutes. I have to get up and go do something else especially if it's a bad movie. It's a really good movie then yeah. I can sit and watch the whole thing. But most of the time I kind of got to be high for it honestly. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to sit in front of my TV. <laughs> but I feel like with the, and see with I never watched uh, uh, it, the original it, mm-hmm. until like oh a few years ago in college, and mm-hmm. I tried to watch it, and I got high for it, and I sat down, <laughs> I just turned it off after, like I watched like the first hour and a half mm-hmm. maybe, and I was just not into it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't categorize it as a horror film because they used to show it on ABC Family. It's more of just like a sci-fi thriller, I guess. I don't know what you would consider that. But. Yeah. It didn't. I mean, the the remake though, the first part at least. I didn't see the part two. Oh my god, the the part two just looked like it was stupid as hell yeah. from the com- commercials because it's got <laughs> that old lady, the first like trailer for mm-hmm. it or whatever. Oh my god, my brother and I would just crack up at how like ridiculously cliche like this old creepy lady was. Oh, but yeah. anyway, it was so stupid. But uh, the first one was all right. You know, I mean, it's just kind of more fun, it, and it was. It was really the kind of like fun that something like the stranger or Stranger Things is, you know, it, oh, Stranger, just because like it's a group of kids that are trying to like figure out this evil thing that's going on, yeah. you know, and stranger that's kind of like fun. Really cool. And that's the cool thing. Like, I mean, 
that was totally like a uh, Stephen King creation with like Stand by Me, you mm-hmm. know, like a group of that that camaraderie of like a young group of friends and like, great movie. Yeah, right. But other than that, Stephen King for me is like mm-hmm. just not a huge fan. Did you? I've uh, never even read a Stephen King book though, so I feel like a I haven't either. I feel like a shithead. That guy is dedicated though. He like writes like five hours a day. I forgot how long he writes, but it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like he doesn't leave his desk it. until yeah. like a certain time. And I I have ever and everybody that who's ever I mean, you know, I got my degree in English. Like I've mm-hmm. I I read and everybody's always told me to read Stephen King, but I just never have. There's a a great stand up bit from a guy named Matthew Palasak where he's like uh he got an English degree, and there people are like, "What are you gonna do with your degree?" He's like, "I'm gonna do what I went to school for. I'm gonna be English." <laughs> <He's> like, Hello, <laughs> I'm Harry Potter. <laughs> Just like his whole bit. It's pretty funny. Oh man, I did that recently too, as I was trying to make it through all of the Harry Potter books and movies, and then I I read the fourth one. Oh fuck! I guess this wasn't recently. This was maybe a year ago. Now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> time fucking flies. It does fly. How long have we been talking for? Hour 19. Sorry, I thought you were going to go off more about Harry Potter. But anyway, I wasn't allowed to watch Harry Potter as a kid. That's what I was thinking about earlier. But you were allowed to watch Child's Play? I was allowed to watch, allowed to watch South Park. I wasn't even not allowed to watch. Mom was just like, don't watch Harry Potter. <laughs> and then I watched it, and I was like, this isn't like... I, I was expecting there to be like a demons and like the devil coming up. And like it was like, oh... This is just some regular magic shit. I had a friend, <laughs> I had a friend that was like that too because he lived with his grandma and his grandma had like heard with her like other grandma friends that Harry Potter mm-hmm. was satanic so she Witchcraft. wouldn't let her son watch it yeah. or her grandson. But then, you know, we would watch every other kind of movie in that house. Mm-hmm. Like we watched, I think we watched, I think we watched uh, The Exorcist or at least part of it for we watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre but for whatever reason Harry Potter was off limits I feel like Exor- Exorcist is like a top 5 demonic movie we were watching <laughs> Super Bad one day in front of his grandma and I felt so uncomfortable oh, I felt I hate that. so weird yeah, yeah, yeah. and she was just like uh, I remember she that was movie like oh, well out. I don't really appreciate the language in this movie and honestly this grandma was just a bitch she was just a bitch lady <laughs> shut up grandma she was just like she was so snobby and she always she accused me of stealing shit from them and really? I never ever did yeah wow. she was she thought that I was a bad kid and that's what I hated she always thought that so, a couple of my friends mom I was always the like the best kid and mm-hmm. my, all of my friends moms thought that I was like the worst like the influencer I got professor know? x for christmas it's I'm having a rough like, year every okay? time I don't know. I guess I kind of was the friend that like other friends like kind of liked to, to get in trouble with, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like that happened a lot, but did you smoke a lot of cigarettes as a teen? As a 12-year-old? Oh, no. I <laughs> I did I did smoke though at a young age like I used to snort Smarties. I, Just kidding, I didn't do that. <laughs> I put 10 warheads in my mouth at once one time. And that fucked me up, dude. Actually, I couldn't I couldn't close my mouth for like a day cuz my teeth were so wrecked. Like it stripped all of that away whatever it is the enamel? Enamel, yeah. It were just whatever it it hurt though, real Damn. bad. Yeah. But anyway, for the most part I was actually a really good kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I I was I don't know. I went to church and like I, I was concerned for the safety of my soul. So, 
really I was only good be- out of fear. Decent concern. <laughs> yeah. But then when I got into high school, I remember, yeah, I had my first cigarette when I was like 13 mm-hmm. or something like that. Because I was always kind of fascinated. I knew the, like from the time I was 12 that I was going to do drugs at some point or that I was that I was very curious about it. Because mm-hmm. and I, or even before then, because I remember thinking like, why do we have to have all of these talks about drugs when yeah. like they I sound mean, amazing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, why do so many people do them if they're so bad was yeah. kind of my first thought, you know? And then when I got into junior high, there was like this part of our junior high library that was, that had books on drugs and just like informational texts, you know, about, mm-hmm. you know, every single one things that I had, that I still don't even know about. We had this, this collection of books about different drugs. And I remember they were really cool. They were black and they were thick and they would just have the name of the drug on the cover. It was like a series, you know, and then mm-hmm. they'd have a picture of it. And I just thought that it was <laughs> just kind of interesting. So I'd sit there and I'd read these books about it. And like, mm-hmm. you know, people take uh, ecstasy at what they call raves. And it would, you know, go into the explanation. I was like, yeah. that sounds... And they'd show pictures of like these yeah. raves. And as a kid who, you know, in Panhandle, Texas, who has never, <laughs> you know, it's probably not going to ever be at a rave in Panhandle. That was like something that was like sexy to me, you know. Yeah, and I was like... I kind of want to, you know, I always thought, like, I was definitely grew up with this mentality that I was not from my hometown, you know, that I was definitely meant for something else, like, Mm -hmm. and uh, so looking at that, like, as a kid or as a junior higher, like, I thought that it was kind of cool, you know, (laughs) so, like, anyway, but, yeah, I I don't know, I steered clear of drugs, though, because I, you know, like, I'd had family members who had struggled with drug addiction and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. so it was also yeah this kind of scary thing but eventually you know like i didn't i smoked weed actually for the first time when i was 18 mm-hmm. and then uh, oh nice you waited yeah i See, was i always knew i wanted actually to smoke well weed. No, no no i got high for the first time when i was 18 mm-hmm. i tried smoking weed when i was 16 and 17 but it never got me high mm-hmm. i always heard cool things about weed and then when i was 15 like my friend's older brother had some yeah, and I was like, I can tell you want to do it, and in my mind, I was like, I don't want to, but like, I'm kind of curious. And yeah, then, and then we did it, and we watched like three Cat Williams specials back to back, and I laughed the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. Nice. Yeah, and then we ate McDonald's, and it was amazing. I had the, I had the most <laughs> horrible first time being high experience. Like I, I absolutely hated it, and I hated weed every time that I did it for the first little while, and I feel like it was really only because of peer pressure and just kind of constantly hanging around with potheads that I finally like got used to it, mm-hmm. you know. Because but I hated weed when I first started smoking, and it was I had a lot of things like tied to it though. Like I had tried smoking weed for the first time when I was a foreign exchange student in Germany, and that's mm. actually why I got sent home from Germany. <laughs> I got caught and. Uh, Anyway, they, so the program sent me home and, uh, that was, that would like, there was a lot that went into that that made me just like, I'm never ever touching weed again, you know, Mm -hmm. cause it it basically just kind of ruined my life for a minute, you know, at at least as much as a 17 year old's life can be kind of like destroyed by That's your whole life when you're that age. Well, and you go back to a place (laughs) like Panhandle, Texas and then people hold that shit against you a little bit. Like I got kicked out of every kind of extracurricular activity that I had ever been involved in. Really? Before I went to Germany, Mm -hmm. I was a very like, uh... 
I mean, I was our class president. Mm -hmm. I was in National Honor Society. I was the mascot of our school. I ran cross country. I was in band, and I did all of the extracurricular band things. Like I did everything. (laughs) Class president, not an insult to you, but class president and mascot. Yeah. (laughs) No. See, and well, that was the thing. Is like I, I never, I really, all of my outside of school time was dedicated to like school or church activities Mm -hmm. for the most part. And, uh, so when I went to Germany and I had all of this freedom, like I didn't give a shit about school when I went to Germany. Like I kind of had some friends there, but really I was curious about just like being independent, you know, and like my, my host parents gave me a lot of like, uh, just a lot of space. Like I Mm -hmm. could be out until the middle of the night getting drunk mm-hmm. and they didn't really care yeah the because um... it was just a different world so i was like all about exploring that mm-hmm. and then i smoked weed and uh i had moved into another host family and i had a really really bad relationship with them they were shitty people mm. and uh they uh so they had like they had found this weed in my room they had found it by looking at like private messages that I had sent to a friend that I had said like, "Oh, I'm smoking weed," you know, uh-huh. being a fucking dickhead. But they, you know, they were like monitoring my online activity mm-hmm. through their Wi-Fi. Fucking Nazis. Yeah, right. No, <laughs> very much. No, they were they were crazy as hell though, and so they were like watching all of the shit that I was doing and just like looking for a reason to send me home. I think because they didn't like me. Mm-hmm. It was just like. It was really weird, but um, anyway, so I got sent home, and then after that, like, I just didn't want to smoke weed because I was like, it had just, like, it had been exactly the thing that I had been warned about, like, it'll ruin your life, and yeah. it definitely kind of, like, you know, shook me up a little bit when I got mm-hmm. caught, and I got home, and I had to, like, I stood up in front of my entire school, kindergarten through seniors, and uh, told them why I got sent home, like in Damn. a school assembly, yeah, where there's like 500 people there. They forced you to do that? No, they really didn't. I, um, I don't really know how it started. I guess I was having a conversation with my parents, and I think we kind of decided that the best way to confront the situation was for me because everybody was going to be asking questions about why I was back early. Mm-hmm. I was the first and only person from my town to ever go oh. as an exchange student. So it was a really big deal uh-huh. like for this school for uh-huh. me to be doing this thing. You know, they had like put a lot of faith in me. They had mm-hmm. like helped me pay for some of it. And like, yeah. So when I came back because of this thing that I'd done in a place like Panhandle where drugs just aren't going on, you know, Mm. it was like, we knew that like there was going to be this, it was going to be received like, like I was doing fucking heroin if I didn't just come out and say it. So I did, I decided that like, I talked to the principal and the Mm -hmm. superintendent and I've been like, I think that, you know, I kind of want to tell everybody what happened and like why I'm home and. Mm-hmm. So I went up in front of everybody nice. at a school assembly and just said it and yeah. just anyway. Then you I think out everybody, the I think everybody, and... I think everybody felt like it was a bad idea that it was not the best idea after that mm-hmm. too. Because like there were people like some, you know, of course some of those shitheads at school were coming up and being like, "Fuck yeah, dude, that is so badass! I didn't know you were that cool." It's <laughs> like, dude, you've been going to school with me since we were five. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck you. But anyway, there were 
Yeah, just like every time that I smoked weed after that, I just had a horrible time. The first time that I got high, because I didn't even get high mm-hmm. the first time I smoked it while I was in Germany. So the whole thing was fucking dumb. They probably the, have trash weed. Well, it was probably me just being, not knowing what the fuck I was doing, you know, because yeah. I was trying to smoke out of a Gatorade bottle, trying to make my own like gravity bong for the first time. Oh, and it was definitely like, yeah, especially if you're in an inexperienced stoner you don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're doing and it's like i don't know how to smoke this thing like i've smoked out of quite a few water bottles yeah not the same <laughs> difficult difficult yeah. but anyway that's funny just like yeah i went to europe and i had too much fun <laughs> yeah that's i had a great ex- time that's almost exactly how you know i had a little too much fun i lived life and i explored yeah <laughs> apparently you're not supposed to do that <laughs> right and see it's so funny now because like it, i feel like the reason that's also part of the reason that i'm just as big of a stoner as i am now mm-hmm. you know because it's pretty much a daily thing for me now but <laughs> you know it's so funny because it was yeah like now it's just like so like i i'm even kind of more resentful in some ways like i really don't dwell on it the way that i used to you know it used mm-hmm. to be this thing where it was like i can't believe i got sent home you know and like yeah. i'm I, sure it's that just hurts. like something that carried for a little while you yeah. know i used to have this dream the same dream place. that you know for a long time about it but anyway well I, Stuart, now you can't go to heaven <laughs> right? no. i mean no i used to have this i used to have this dream though where okay um so when I got caught, like, I got caught the day, or it, I was, I basically, yeah, got caught the day before I was supposed to go on a tour of Europe, like this two-month-long tour of Europe that I'd already put a pot deposit down for, mm-hmm. for like a thousand bucks, and then they sent me home and kept my thousand dollars. Oh! Yeah, and so they, it was a fucked thing, and... Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm just like, it was fucking weed, guys. Yeah. It was fucking weed. And you just destroyed, like, part of my, like, and, you know, like, I feel like it wasn't, it wasn't anything, I didn't do anything wrong. That's how I feel about it now, you know? It's like, Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And I got fucked for it, you know? (laughs) Just because... Everybody thought that I did something wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And it just pisses me off, and it's Mm -hmm. just like, this is so fucking... I almost... I think I became a stoner just to kind of fucking, like, (laughs) show them, you know? Like... Fuck Germany. Fuck you guys. This was... (laughs) No. I was gonna say, I I went to... I have been uh, saying the... I feel like I've been saying fuck more than I... You should say fuck less. Should I? I've only said it 17 times this... Past hour and a half, so you need, you need to relax. I just, sometimes I get going, especially when I'm drinking, dude. Especially if I'm drinking, I don't know why, but just like all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I start cussing a lot. I feel yeah. like I was in Germany for uh, two weeks. I was 16. You're 25 now, right? Yeah. Well, okay. 26. 26. Yeah. Okay, so we were probably there about a year apart, maybe. But uh, it seemed really chill, like as far as like drinking. Wait, how old are you? I'm 25. You're 25. When yeah, you do you turn was, 26? You thought I was 30, huh? Uh, next March. No, I knew that you were my age, but, oh, okay. <laughs> or like close to my age. But next March. Oh shit, that's like so. Wait, well, four months do you away. Know, remember? Do you remember exactly when you were there? It was the summer of 
my sophomore year going into my junior year. So 2010 going into 2011 or 2011 going into 2012? 2010 going into 2011. That's when I went. Really? What, where? That's what I went. <laughs> it's the what's, summer of 2010. What city were you in? Hanover. Oh, see, I didn't know where that was. I was in uh, Würzburg. I used Würzburg? To, I used to say Würzburg, but then Germans laughed Würzburg. at me. Würzburg. Where's... I went to... I, we landed in Frankfurt, and we took a train from Frankfurt to Würzburg. So, and then, that's maybe kind of like Southern Western or Southern Eastern. I don't know. I, I can't remember. I can't remember where <laughs> Frankfurt's at on a map. But just, Hanover just, is kind of like smack dab in the middle in the north a mm-hmm. little bit. But anyway, yeah, I that's just, funny. We were probably there kind of in the same mm-hmm. time frame. Nobody gave a shit what my age was like when I got a drink. We're just like... You want a beer? Here. As long as you kind of look like you're a teen that's old enough, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, dude, <laughs> I mean, and so, you know, the hard liquor age was 18 or whatever, you know. you you If anything that was like over 5.5%, I don't know what the mm-hmm. rule is, but I know that there's like a certain percentage of alcohol that you, you have to be 18 for over there. And, uh, See, I didn't even know that. But sometimes, like, sometimes they don't, they don't even care about that. Yeah. Like, I remember the first time I got fucked up while I was there, I went to this... Uh, this festival that gets held in Hanover every year called the Moss State Festival because they have it at the like this uh, this lake this pond that's like one of the largest like man made lakes in the world. It was oh, yeah. built by um, Jews during the Holocaust. It was wow. like the Nazis made them build this giant lake in Hanover, a beautiful Hitler lake. Yeah, and anyway, <laughs> I mean it's still there, you know. So they have this festival every the, year there. Jews can, just like, Jews can build. They have this like festival. I don't know if you've seen like, the pyramids. The oh, yeah. <laughs> were those Jews? <laughs> Jews or aliens? I don't know. Oh, gotcha. One of the two, maybe a mixture. What 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 is the name of the? Re- this just is a so filled <laughs> random question. What is the name of the religion that Egyptians followed? Uh, I don't know. I know they had like Sumerian texts, but that was like the language they spoke. So, yeah, I don't know the because uh, they had all sorts of different. If you read like, the old, if you read stuff, the Old right? Testament, like, I think like they they worshipped a snake. Oh really? Um, because like, yeah, because the, like, the, the whole main thing, God or whatever. The whole thing Moses was doing was to like, or like God in the in the Old Testament, the Exodus or was it Exodus Leviticus? I don't know. Wherever the, all the Jews marched with Moses, I think it's Exodus. I think that's um, yeah. I think that's Exodus. But the things he's doing is to like mimic their god, is the, oh. the plagues he's putting on them and the turning the staff into a snake. Yeah, it's kind of like making fun of their. It's God's version of it's talking the, shit to their gods. The, isn't that <laughs> God? <beef>. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord, <laughs> that's funny. Oh look, your god is just a staff in, the, in my dude's hand. <laughs> Yeah, basically. I'm thinking of the uh, I'm thinking of the animated I'm thinking of the animated Moses movie that came out <laughs> way back when. That's mm. <laughs> funny. I don't think I've seen it. It was like, it was like, oh god, I think it may be a Disney movie. It mm. might be a Disney movie. It was like, yeah, they made a movie about Moses, which is. It seems crazy now. Yeah, right. Now like, you look at Disney and you're like, how can we make I, dude, we an gotta LGBTQ look that one up. Does plus that thing princess? Connect to the internet. You should look that shit up. Look up Disney Moses? Yeah, see if it was a Disney movie. I don't know. There is an animated Moses movie, but I don't know what studio did it. Uh, the Prince of Egypt is a Disney film. Oh, the Prince of Egypt? Yeah, Prince of Egypt, 1998. And what is it about? 
Oh, has Sandra Bullock in it? Damn. Okay, this may be the one. Yeah, where is it? Talk about Moses. It's animated. Prince of Egypt, nineteen ninety-eight. Uh, Egyptian prince Moses Val Kilmer learns oh of his God. identity as a Hebrew and his <laughs> destiny to become the chosen deliverer That's of his people. Definitely it. That's definitely it. Michelle Pfeiffer's in it too. Oh my God! And Sandra Bullock. Damn. Nineteen ninety-eight. That was. Fucking 20 years Jeff ago. Jeff Goldblum. And I watched that shit in theaters. <laughs> Danny Glover. Steve Martin. Holy shit. This is a great cast. <laughs> I gotta go watch Moses, man. I bet it's on <laughs> Disney Plus right now. James Avery's in it. Shout out Uncle Phil. James Avery. Yeah. Not the not the jewelry store, but the he played Uncle Phil in The Fresh Prince. Oh, gotcha. Great voice. Uh, Martin Short's in it, too. Patrick Stewart. Professor X. <laughs> Yeah. See how go. we went full circle? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Man. I think that it would be uh Yeah, like can you imagine if Disney tried to make a, a religious movie right now, like an yeah. animated version of a biblical story? It would seem like, real weird. Just, just like this is the story of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be different. Like, Jesus would have, like, Tom superpowers. Hanks. <laughs> in. Tom Hanks and Jesus. In Jesus. They just call it Jesus. I've There's a... Did you ever watch Robot Chicken? And it's just got a picture of praying hands. Just like... That's there's a... Oh, there's Robot a, Chicken. Yeah, there's a oh, skit yeah, they Robot did Chicken. where, like, Jesus is, like... I don't remember what the what the joke was, but Jesus is, like, running around, like, shooting guns. That's, oh, you, you may be thinking of Family Guy. You're talking about Passion of the Christ 2? Oh, okay, yeah. I probably got it mixed up. Passion of the Christ 2. Passion yeah. of the Christ 2. Crucify this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Chris Rock. Chris Rock has Jesus' as sidekick, and it's got this cutscene where it's just Chris Rock, and he's like, you crazy, Jesus. You crazy. And Jesus goes, that's what my ex-wife said. It's so stupid. It's oh, my so God. Funny. That's just adding in Jesus Chris Rock. Jesus is just like, oh. You're crazy. <laughs> It's just so different. I think that's, yeah, Peter stumbles on Mel Gibson's, like, uh, secret footage of this new, of the of the follow-up to Passion of the Christ or something like that. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's what my ex-wife said. That, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I probably get Robot Chicken mixed up with Family Guy all the time. Because there was, uh, I think this is Robot Chicken where it's like, Schindler's List 2. Schindler's Pissed. <laughs> but anyway back to the topic i don't even know what we were talking about we're just going from one to the next i don't even know how we got onto moses um egyptians pyramids jews oh, man. jews built a lake yeah there you go in germany and they had this festival and i would get fucking drunk or i got drunk the first time i was there and to bring it back, yeah, so we were talking about the age, the drinking age, and yeah, mm-hmm. nobody was giving a shit, everybody was giving me, they had these, oh my god, these $1 shots, and it was, I was just buying shot after shot, or mm-hmm. one euro shot, you know, but I was buying shot after shot after shot after shot, being, you know, this confident fucking 16 year old who didn't mm-hmm. know that I was about to get my ass handed to me, and I just got wasted. Way too drunk. Did you have to go back to your 
home after that? Yeah. My host parents were cool with it. They were like, oh, you just had a rough night. I was like, pussy Americans can't even like, drink. You know, and there was no way that shit would have flown at my house. You know, if I had showed yeah. up drunk at my parents' house, like, fucking A, I would be, mm-hmm. be in so much trouble. I mean... I don't think my dad would ever get physical, but that would have been the kind of thing that would have set him off so bad. How was <laughs> I'm just the, kidding. Uh... No, my dad would have never done anything <laughs> like that. I'm sorry. How was the uh, like food quality there? The food quality? Dude, yeah. in Germany? Because I feel like I was there for two weeks. All we ate was like mostly sandwiches. Oh, like just the bread, spread some spreadable cheese. I mean, and it's like hammer. a pretty advanced first world country, you know? So it's yeah. kind of like you get whatever you want. Um, That's cool. But... I uh, I did uh, fall in love with dinner while I was there, which is the like uh, Turkish German version of a hamburger, so to say. It's got, or it's basically like a Greek gyro or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um, but I don't really know what sets a dinner apart from a gyro, other than the fact that. Um, How do you spell it? Dinner. It's. D- it sounds like you're just saying dinner incorrectly. It's D. <laughs> I know, right? It's D D O N E R, and it's like uh, Tom's dinner. It's like uh, D, but the O is one of those ones with the umlaut over it. You know the mm, two dots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, which by the way, your wolf sticker. Oh, yeah. Wolf. Wolf. <laughs> from that's a uh, that's Wolf-Fetch definitely from. Uh, that's definitely from uh, what's it called? Uh, Meow Wolf. Your sticker no. on your computer? It's, uh, it's Tyler the Creator's second album. Oh yeah, Cherry Bomb, or no? It's literally called Wolf. Is it? Oh, no way. I guess it's his third album because he had Bastard Goblin, Wolf, it has, like, Cherry Bomb was donut next on it or something like that. Yeah, he anyway. keeps he keeps the donut in rotation. Oh, uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, a lot of these stickers are really old. That's cool. Like the, the Gears of War. I thought it was a Meow Wolf. The Gears of War, the Wolf. Yeah. The Apple thing's new. I just put it over my Dell. Um. <laughs> I didn't even notice that until you just pointed it out to me. And that's just such a dumb but very funny joke. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Can't afford real apples. Yeah. There you go. So I go with pears. Okay. There you go. Anyway. <laughs> but skull uh, candy too, dude. Repping. Oh yeah. Skull candy. That was like I had a, a a pair of when I was in. High school, I had a pair of the Rasta Skull Candy thick headphones that oh, had the what? fucking bottle cap opener. Me in too. Them. No, I didn't have a bottle cap opener. Ooh. I probably had a slightly cheaper version. Mine had the bottle cap opener. I still have those in my car. I've never hell. used them. Do you mind if I open up this last beer? Yeah, go ahead, man. Got three for each of us. Thanks, dude. So we can party. Hell yeah. Honestly, beer today is just perfect. Like, I didn't really get to drink last night at my show. I did a little bit, you know, but mm-hmm. I had to. I had to go into work this morning, so I didn't try to get too crazy, and I didn't want to be messed up while we were performing, so I just took a light last night, but um, I don't work tomorrow, and when you asked me gang, what gang. I wanted to drink, when you sent me that text, I was like, oh shit, yeah, it sounds so good to have just a couple of beers right now. Right. Yes. It's, beers go well with podcasting, and it's a Sunday, I feel like Sunday is a good day to drink Makes beer. It, yeah. Dude, honestly, yeah, beer is the best like social lubricant for conversation, like... Yeah. I way better than actual lube because some people having, get freaked out if I show up with I lube. appreciate that you have beer for your podcast because like I've done I haven't done a whole lot of podcasts in my life. I've done 
I think I've been on yours. I've been on Skyler's, and uh, I was on a friend's in Lubbock. You know, uh-huh. but anyway, I could I can imagine that like showing up for a podcast to sit down and talk like some of those guys do for a couple of hours without having some kind of like coffee or yeah, you know, beer beer especially though beer is great. I don't have a coffee maker right now. I kind of moved in on a whim. So I wasn't even prepared to move. Dude. Like, a lot of people don't have coffee. coffee makers. And I, you know, I... I love coffee. I'm about to go get one. Don't worry. I never had <laughs> I never had a coffee maker until I moved in with my sister when I was like 21 or 22. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was a coffee drinker. And I really hadn't been. And she... Uh, I drank a lot of tea before that, actually. And then she had this coffee machine and... I started getting more serious about school when I started living with her. So uh, she would get up and she would always get up before I did because she'd have mm-hmm. to go into work. She'd just get up before I did. And so she would make coffee in the morning. And I started just drinking whatever was left over in the coffee pot, you know, mm-hmm. at the when I'd get up. And because it would still be kind of warm and I'd be like, yeah, I could use a little extra energy, you know. And I'd make it with milk and sugar. And then eventually I just got to the point where I was just throwing in the black coffee, you know, and no matter yeah. how cold it was or whatever, I'd drink it. I got addicted, you know. And ever since then, it's just been like, love coffee. And that's what's made Starbucks so great is because yeah. I'd always wanted to be a barista. I and do too. I like, still want to be a barista. Right. Like, there's, <laughs> you know, that you're not going to make any fucking money, you know? Yeah. But like when I I'm quit doing... teaching and I heard that, you know, yeah. I could get, I knew that I could get a st- job at Starbucks. I, kn- I knew I was overqualified for it, you know? Yeah. But I, I just wanted it, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck this. I just want to do it. I just want to be you're a barista. You're talking to my soul like... right now. This whole podcast, you're talking about <laughs> everything you're saying. I agree with 100%. Because I, like, left State Farm and I was like, it was a good paycheck. Yeah. But like if I want I want to enjoy my life, so I'm going to find jobs that I like regardless of what the pay is. Yes. So yeah, I'm that's doing exactly I'm it. doing personal training. I'm hosting trivia. Are you personal training? I didn't know that you were actually doing yeah. that as a job. Yeah, Whoa. you were you were working out with Brad before. Yeah. He's was. over at he's over at Golds now. Yeah, he moved to Golds. But, yeah. Yeah, he told me like you See, got See, that was my teacher paycheck <laughs> paying for that. Yeah. There's yeah, it's no... not cheap, man. What did he tell you? No, he just said like, uh, "Yeah, we're working out pretty good, like together, like pretty." Dude, consistently. that was the most. Uh, that was the most like, f- honestly, like the most. Uh, the best I've ever done in my life, as far as like diet and exercise go. Like, I a hundred percent like I. If you're just an average person who has a tough time going to the gym, if you have the money to pay for a personal trainer, you know, I a hundred percent makes a huge recommend difference. it because it keeps you accountable. Because that's really what it is, is like everybody just wants kind of a work, and people that don't go to the gym, they want a workout buddy, you know, yeah. and that's what I wanted, because it's like, I, yeah, there is there is this kind of like fear walking into a gym, and you don't want to look yeah. like a jackass, and you don't want to hurt yourself, that was another mm-hmm. thing that I had thought about, is like, my fucking limbs mean a lot to me, especially if I'm playing music, you yeah. know, like, I, I want to be able to get up and play a show, and like, you know, be energetic, mm-hmm. and so, I... And I was also just going through this phase of, like, I really want to, like, get a little fit, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, working out with Brad was really cool. Like, I was, I felt like such an idiot the first time I walked in there and, like, I mean, even considering does, it. You know, even considering, yeah. like, it's like, I don't want to be one of those guys who signs up for a personal trainer. But when I had it, I was like, I fucking loved it. It makes you know? a huge difference. It's such a huge difference. It's so yeah. much nicer. Even if you do work out consistently, just having that extra person just to push you. Oh yeah, because like, even like 
if you work out hard, you still like, well, I'm going to, you know, skip this set. I'm going to go to eight instead of 10. Yeah. That personal trainers be like, no, like, you're no, doing no, 10. No, 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 you got to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what you need is like, you need it. Yeah. I mean, it helps so much when you've got a little cheerleader sitting there next to you, For especially sure. somebody who doesn't give a shit about it. Usually, you know, like mm-hmm. that's how I always was is like any kind of like consistent behavior in my life is it's just hard for me to like set up consistent routines if it doesn't have anything to do with music you know Mm -hmm. and so um that was like yeah having him and he would like text me and he texted me motivational stuff too Mm -hmm. which was really nice you know and he'd just be like hey man like i was thinking about you today and i saw this thing he would send me these real meaningful things sometimes that i was like hell yeah you know brad was really cool he's a good dude yeah i liked yeah I liked working out with him a lot, and I wish I could have kept it up, but it just got to a point where, yeah, I just didn't have the money mm-hmm. for it, and I didn't have the time either, yeah. especially with teaching. But if I could, if I had the money for it, I would totally keep doing it, you know? Oh, yeah. It's rough right now, but, you know, January's about to hit. About, People, to, get those, about to get that new, new year res- resolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So, it'll, it'll pick up. Nice. But, uh, yeah, no, what he told me was... uh. You were pretty consistent. And then he was like, and then he got a girlfriend, and he stopped showing up. That's what he told me. <laughs> that was part of it, too, yeah. I did get yeah. a girlfriend, yeah, at that time. Because I think he told me before that, like, or no, it was the same conversation, but he said, like, he he did it because he wanted to, like, look better. That's exactly it, he got a girlfriend, it, dude. he didn't want to look better anymore. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, right? No, dude, it was so funny. A lot of it hung on that girl, too, because, like, we had... Uh, we had met each other and uh like really hit it off one night at golden light it was a bad magic and she just like i walked into the back that part. was such a cool day yeah it like it rained out it got rained out mm-hmm. and they moved it over you know and then so me and my friends were hanging out at bad or at golden light mm-hmm. and uh she was there with a couple of her friends this girl that i had dated and anyway that was the day that we met and we just had this really like i mean it was just kind of cool like i i'm I'm not the kind of guy that usually like approaches just random girls and like Mm -hmm. tries to strike up a conversation you know but um we had been like like making obvious like eye contact like she kept looking over at me i kept looking over at her Mm -hmm. and then uh one of the people that she was hanging out with at one point, I was coming like out and kind of making eye contact with that woman. And she was, she stopped me and she was like, Hey, what's your name? And we, you know, exchanged courtesies or whatever. And then she was like, she was like, you should go talk to that girl over there. Cause she says that you have really pretty eyes. Facts. Like, Ooh, yes. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I should. So I went down I just sat right next to her and I started talking to her and we hit it off really great. And then we, you Look know, like eyes. I was really, really into her, you know, like, yeah. no, like we, she was into the same music that I was into, mm-hmm. which was a huge thing for me. You know, anytime oh, like that's a girl, definitely huge. anytime a girl can drop like a reference to like, she was talking to me about some like obscure Simon and Garfunkel shit that I was like, fuck yes, that's, that's awesome. what I'm all about, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then <clears throat> we, uh, we hit it off and then we saw each other like a week later we went out on this date and then everything just kind of ended. 
abruptly. Like she kind of left the date early mm-hmm. and I was kind of confused about it. And I'd been looking forward to it all week. I mm-hmm. was like, man, this girl is so cool. Cause you know, you don't meet a lot of people that just kind of like strike you that way, you know, mm-hmm. but I was so into her. And, uh, so then things just kind of, she stopped replying and I was like, fuck. And I just kind of, Honestly, like, yeah, it was. I thought about it so much, and mm-hmm. I had not been in that position in a while where I'd like yeah. met somebody who just like really fucking blew my mind. You that know? sucks, man. I've been there several times. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I was honestly just like, maybe I'm just not like. I mean, I I had gained some weight because of teaching, mm-hmm. you know, and it was she during was, the summer. She and just like, had some other dick in her life, bro. And that's exactly (laughs) what I was, I was thinking somebody else is hotter than I am because as far as personality Mm -hmm. goes, like we were totally there, you know, Mm -hmm. like just totally matched up. And also, I don't know, she had, she did have two kids too. So she was kind of worried about that. Later I found out, you know, that was kind of her big concern and she just didn't know if I was like a solid guy, you know? And then, uh, I started going to the gym Mm -hmm. and then kind of randomly one day she did just text me out of the blue and she was like oh hey you should you know do you want to come hang or it actually she texted me out of the blue and she was like what happened i was like what the fuck do you mean what happened you stopped Uh, texting me you know like that's such bad behavior i don't know like (laughs) i it was kind of like both ways like i could have put a little more effort into that like Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of that thing like you're trying to play it cool, so yeah. like they got to be the one that takes action. You're trying to. She wanted. She just wanted a booty call. Sounds like. Well, <laughs> it turned into a relationship, you know, mm-hmm. and it, but anyway, yeah, it just it didn't go. It didn't, you know, it didn't end up working out. What obviously, happened? But, <laughs> we, dude, honestly, I can't. I can't even quite explain what happened. It was kind of weird. It was like everything was going fine, and then suddenly, like. I don't know. It just kind of ended like I think she she's she we started fighting for no fucking reason. She would just get like mm-hmm. I think that she would get kind of paranoid about me and like thinking that I would leave her and like I think she also just had a lot of anxiety like mm-hmm. knowing that I was kind of a musician at the time I was teaching so I seemed like more reliable than I guess I do now as far as like if you're looking for a family like I'm definitely not a guy that like the guy that I am now and at the time like okay so the guy that I am now is the guy that I feel like I usually am which is the guy that really can't quite settle down you know until yeah. it, you know until it feels right mm-hmm. but I'm just like the the there's a big question mark in my future and that's kind of how it's always been you know yeah. just like where the fuck is it gonna go you know just go who knows yeah I'm not gonna sit down and just like say oh yeah 20 years from now I'll still be teaching English in Amarillo <laughs> like, fuck that no way I don't know what the hell my life is gonna look like 20 years from now but amen anyway she I think that she kind of always felt that in me because at the time I definitely was like, oh, I need to like take my life more seriously and settle down and like mm-hmm. quit having these kids' dreams and like. Anyway, then she, I don't know. She, the guy, she, the guy that she'd been married to before me, was not a very good guy from what I understand, mm-hmm. and cheated on her quite a bit. And yeah. I think that she was maybe kind of suspicious of me and thought yeah. that I was cheating on her. But I, you know, it was like yeah. I. Things were going great as far yeah. as I was concerned, but she would just get like paranoid sometimes and start like, 
oh, just being in a bad mood towards me. And then she'd be like asking me questions about like what I had been doing. And yeah. it just like, I've been hanging out in my house. Like, mm-hmm. oh, really? What's that car doing there? And it's like, well, I live across the street from Memorial mm-hmm. Park I where think... everybody parks and goes over to mm-hmm. the park, you know? I think you were a nice guy and she didn't want a nice guy. That's what it sounds like. I'm not an expert, no, though. I don't think that's it. I think so. she wanted a nice guy, but I think it was also very difficult for her to be in mm-hmm. a relationship is yeah. really what it was. Um, I think that she's kind of got to do some personal growing. Because she tried to break up with me, but she, it was one of those things like where she was trying to get me to break up with her. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, no, I did. And so I kind of, like I kind of did. Finally, yeah. I was like, all right, yeah, because we we went through this whole deal, and then she, she just, we finally like, I I just had stopped. Like she tried to break up with me, and so I stopped talking to her. And then she tried to get in touch with me, you know, and I just didn't respond because I was like trying to figure it out or whatever. And then finally, I was like, yeah, let's meet up and talk. And mm-hmm. so we met up and talk, and I finally just, said, yeah, I just don't think it's gonna work out at all. And then I left, and that was it. And honestly, I'm glad that I did because I feel like if I would have stayed, I probably would still be teaching now and miserable. Know? And yeah, but in I don't know. At the same time, like there were a lot of things that were nice about being with her. Like mm-hmm. every time that I was over at her house, and she had two sons, we'd all hang out. And like honestly, that kind of like. It was just nice to be doing something different than smoking weed and like, Uh you know, saying a bunch of stupid jokes with all of these old friends of mine, you know, and just bullshitting it. Like it felt like I was actually doing something kind of meaningful, you know, and like having kind of real human moments with her and her kids. And you're going to find that again. Yeah, that's exactly it is like I kind of realized like, no, I don't have to like put all of my eggs in one basket Mm -hmm. here especially if it's not like if she's not feeling it you know and she's kind of like feeling you know i just didn't i couldn't really she's being emotionally unpredictable Mm -hmm. so i just couldn't kind of stick around with that yeah garbage anyway (laughs) we're gonna change topics i gotta pee really fast i do too i've really gotta pee pee. (laughs) (laughs) and we're back anywho um Back to Black Caskets. That's the name of the band. Yeah. Uh, you guys, do you have any music out right now that you could stream? Play Not right online? now. Not right now. We're we're still like polishing the the songs up. We do have five fully written songs. That was our set last night. Um, nice. So we have enough for something, but really we're we're tra- we've got um, like three or four more that are kind of half written that we want to put together and we just want to just go ahead and do a full album so we're gonna finish those we may do like one song as a single Uh if i had to guess um that's probably what our plan is like yeah the next kind of couple of months are dedicated to finishing the songs that we've got trying to expand our set list we're gonna add in a couple of more covers and really the focus that we want to do right now is the live performance we want our live performance to be top notch you Mm -hmm. know that's that's kind of what we agreed on as a band is just going that direction so get some fire i'll let you know though as soon as we do have our music online but 
if anybody wants to listen to my music. Yes, where can they find your music? My music is on Bandcamp at stuartcowan.bandcamp.com. I just recently got Bandcamp. Oh, really? Yeah. Bad like, anyway. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's cool, dude. They're, I mean, Bandcamp is the perfect website for just amateur musicians. Better than SoundCloud, in my opinion. It's just so yeah, great sound, to just SoundCloud's like, not organized at all. No. Seems super random. And Bandcamp is just so simple. Like you go to a band's page, there are their albums right there. Like you you can pick and choose what you want to listen to, what looks good to you. SoundCloud's just like, here's this artist and here's track number one and track number two. And anyway, I don't know. I just I don't like SoundCloud as much. Hell yeah. I feel that. I feel that a lot. <laughs> anyway, Bandcamp's been really cool. Um so do you have any more shows coming up or was that just like a random thing you guys had? No, the, um, I mean, the plan is to have a couple more here in January at the very least, you know, my, as a, as a band, I think one of our goals that we talked about was trying to have two or three shows every single month mm-hmm. if we can, you know, if it's something that we're able to do. Yeah. Um, and it looks like that should be, you know, reasonably accomplishable for mm-hmm. now. Um, so January, uh, I just have to get in touch with venues and be like, Hey, Mm -hmm. can we come play? Are there any local bands that, uh, you kind of want to work with or like, Hey, come open up for us or Hey, can I go open up for you? I'm down to work with just about anybody who wants to work with me, you know, or play Mm -hmm. like, especially in a place like Amarillo where you kind of are relying on just anybody who does play and that sounds good, you know? A band that I really, 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 really want to work with right now is Vamping. I think that our stuff together, like, their, you know, their sound specifically, I think, is quite different than ours, but stylistically, I think that we would put on a really cool show together. They make beautiful music. Right. That dude. uh, Is it Roderick? Broderick. Broderick, yeah. Guy kills it, man. I love his voice. Yeah. Broderick is cool as hell, too. He used... I don't know if he still works at Guitar Center, but he used to work at Guitar Center, and he is the one that pointed me in the direction of the amp that I currently have. Mm. And uh, I was really grateful to him because I went through these three different Fender Hot Rod Deluxe 4s and each one of them crapped out on me just like within a couple of months and so finally he was like dude you gotta get the fender deluxe reverb and i was like okay i'll go for it yeah i uh i saw those guys it was was before it was vamping he was in a different band uh Um, mount ivy mount ivy yeah Yeah. and they uh they played for they did like an unplugged session at uh wt i don't know if you've heard of those but they have like a a kick-ass studio Nice. And it's fucking dope. That's cool. Um, and that was my first time seeing them. And I was just like, holy fuck. These guys are incredible. Nice. And then, yeah. And I think vamping is like an an upgraded version of that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's stepping They're on your toes. They're such but. a <laughs> solid... No, no, no. They're such a solid, like, sounding band. That's They are... Their live performance sounds pretty much exactly like it sounds on the mm-hmm. recorded version, you know, which is really cool. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, they, you can tell that they've spent a lot of time trying to get their sound to be as polished as it can because, yeah, there's no like real mis- there's no mistakes that are happening. Mm-hmm. There's no um, 
there's no like the bass is overshadowing the guitars or you know the drums are just way too loud or anything like that it's like everything weaves together perfectly for their songs mm-hmm. and then i really liked what broderick did at the last show that i went to for vamping at least they had this uh he had some kind of like um oh i don't know exactly what effect it was but it was something that you know like fucked up his vocals so only when he was talking to the crowd, though, is he'd press this, like, pedal down or whatever, and then his vocals would suddenly go so deep, and he was talking <laughs> to everybody real deep, and it was kind of fun. That's um, awesome. It was just, I thought that that was really cool, like, crowd play, mm-hmm. you know, like, he would use those spaces when they were kind of, like, tuning up, doing yeah. different things, and he'd flick that on, and rather than just talking to the crowd, he'd talk to the crowd with mm-hmm. this, like, voice, you know, that was mm-hmm. being modulated or whatever by this mm-hmm. pedal that's this what cool. i find that's what i find so interesting about musicians is like when they're performing live and there's that little bit of time in between songs they become they become comedians you know they become entertainers up there like without their music they're just like that's such a hard thing to do yeah too. they're working I mean, the crowd they're it's it's cool that's to my see. that's my least favorite part of performing i enjoy it because it adds like a little comic relief I mean, it's I I enjoy seeing other people do it, but mm-hmm. as far as being the performer that does it goes, mm-hmm. I hate doing it because I never have anything prepared. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's my problem is I just don't have anything like just be like, oh yeah, fuck, I gotta talk here. Like yeah. maybe say a couple of things, keep people interested, you know, so that they don't go out and smoke, mm-hmm. you know, chain start chain smoking yeah. because there's nothing going on inside, kind of feeling, you know. But it's almost like just like you're giving. You're making people more comfortable because at that point it's like an it's like an awkward silence and they just they want a reason to like laugh with you I think right like, yeah at least that's how I that's how I look at it well yeah it, it kind of it bridges the gap between mm-hmm. performer and audience it's like oh yeah we're like people in a thing together right now mm-hmm. like and it kind of creates that like feeling of camaraderie a little bit with the performer you know the audience Definitely. likes to feel so. like their performer is like. You know, there's because the music thing totally like it creates this atmosphere and it puts up a wall, you mm-hmm. know, and that's what it is kind of like with any musician is like, you know, there's so many of these great musicians that all of us idolize and stuff, you know, they're human beings at the end of the day, but yeah. when they perform, you know, they kind of do look like this other thing, yeah. you know, they're just like almost you know godlike in above, a way above a human for sure <laughs> <laughs> if they're good yeah. yeah but then yeah if they get a chance to talk and you kind of start to see them being a person then mm-hmm. it's like oh cool like they're more than just this singer they're more than just this depressed guy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think i do that a lot like as a performer when i go when i go watch bands it's kind of my excuse to be like i'm studying you know i'm doing yeah. homework but it's like i'm watching all of their movements, the way they hold the guitar, the way they, they cup the mic or the way they use the mic. Yeah. And it's just like every little detail is like now like extra important to me that little things I would have never noticed or ever cared about. Yeah. Just like the way they're standing, the way they're dressed, the way they, Performing they look is, at yeah. the crowd. It's a whole other way of approaching the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you... And I think being a musician is like you when i first started writing songs like i just wanted to write songs that i liked um not necessarily i wasn't really keeping in mind like all of these other things because i'd never performed and stuff before Mm -hmm. you know but then when i started finally like performing in front of people and doing that when i was like 
17 or 18, you know, it became this thing where it was like, oh, I kind of got to write, like, I would write all these slow ballads, too, that mm-hmm. I loved, you know, like, I thought they were great, but as far as, like, live performance goes, like, people, most of the time, especially if you're just playing at a bar, like, nobody wants to sit around and listen to your sad fucking breakup song, you know, <laughs> just over and over again, yeah. like... That's basically what I my set looked like when I first started playing live shows. It's mm-hmm. just one sad breakup song after another. And it was so dumb. <laughs> just like, you know, and I wasn't great. It was just okay. Mm-hmm. And so I started kind of writing songs a little bit differently after that and just kind of thinking about the showmanship of the whole thing Mm -hmm. and at first i thought like i'm not going to do this to please anybody but myself and i kind of had this real selfish like and i still have a pretty selfish view of music and being a musician it's a it's a selfish pursuit you know Mm -hmm. it's like you're doing it so that you can have fun like and it's not something that i really have to like that's i guess the thing it maybe that's just it is we were talking about capitalism earlier mm-hmm. and just this idea that or the american dream or you know and we we're talking about parents that or just this older generation that kind of is like well you have to kind of suffer like to mm-hmm. enjoy life it's like what a fucked up thing like no i'm not <laughs> like i'm doing i'm not suffering anymore like i'm doing what i want to do yeah. you know and i'm enjoy like i don't have to motivate myself to sit down with the guitar Mm-hmm. I don't have to do that, you know. It just happens. I just sit down and I do it because I enjoy it. Yeah, and so, definitely. Anyway, part of it, though, is like, yeah, it becomes this fun project where you, like, as far as the showmanship goes, where you start thinking about what it's like to perform in front of people and what people want to see because you do feed off of the audience's energy when you're playing. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, you make it more fun for yourself by making it more fun for the audience, mm-hmm. you know? It, it gives me a whole new, like, reason to like respect and enjoy like live music because now like i'm a performer and i'm like i want to entertain in yeah. the same way they're entertaining i mean not exactly the same way but so, yeah here's the same concept do you ever have you ever written a joke that you thought would be funny to other people but wasn't funny to you yeah yeah and i usually don't enjoy doing it <laughs> <laughs> right I tried doing that once with the songs. Like, I wrote a song that I thought would just be, like... I didn't really like the song, but mm-hmm. I thought that it would be, like, a popular song. Yeah. And it wasn't... <laughs> it was not a very popular song. Yeah. But. I mean, if you, like... I think that that thing can happen. Like, if you're going for a specific group... It feels like you're doing something wrong, it, Yeah, too, just, like, pandering. You know? Like, it's, yeah, It just feels it's fake. It's just not fun. And there's, you don't have the confidence behind it. And there's a couple it. musicians... Like, you... <sighs> That's always the worst. Like, there's... Okay, I'm going to be vaguely specific. Like, destroy some... Drag Taylor Swift. Let's go. No, no, no. Just, like, (laughs) some guy here in Amarillo. Some guy here in Amarillo Mm -hmm. that I... Is it me? He's just so fucking full of himself. No. (laughs) No. He's a musician. And he's just so fucking full of himself. And uh, there's a couple of those, but this the one in particular that I'm thinking of, he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's not like talking shit on people or anything like that. He's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's got his thing. He's doing what he does, you know. But his music sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's because he's writing for audiences. Like, he doesn't... He doesn't ever write something that feels like natural. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's talked to me about it, like about his writing process and how he's he's so focused on just like, I mean, 
it's like I get it. Like yeah, to a certain degree, you gotta kind of get you kind of gotta consider what you can sell if you're trying to sell mm-hmm. something, you know. Yeah. But that's just it. Is like he's so caught up in like trying to make it better for other people and not for himself that it's just like he's ended up writing just some of the just not very good music. It mm-hmm. sounds very generic. It's you know? uh, it's a shortcut, which I guess it could pay off, but like. My thing is like I want my art. I don't want to pander. I want my art to be so good, yeah, that people will want to buy it. Yeah. You know, like I don't need to sell it right now. What I need to do right now is just get really, really good. Yeah, good as See, as good as I can. I want to get so good. <laughs> I want to get to a place where I feel like I can. The thing that sucks about I don't know. Maybe I'm just so full of myself. All musicians are pretty full of themselves to a certain degree. I think you know. Yeah. And, I mean, to be to be confident, to believe in yourself enough to go on stage and perform, you have to yeah, have a little bit of a, that. Yeah. You've got an ego, you know, a little yeah. bit. Like I don't know. It's kind of a it's, it's kind of a catch twenty two a little bit though, because I also feel like we're also some of the most insecure people. There's, you know? like, there's a healthy way to have an ego for sure. Yeah. Otherwise, you would just be sitting at home all day. You know. Exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah. And there's just, like, there are a couple of different, like, the thing about being a musician, though, is, like, it is such an independent thing that you almost, you know, anytime anybody's got, like, kind of criticism to dull out to you, you really kind of ignore it, you know? Mm-hmm. Or if you want to keep doing it, you just kind of push it out of your mind. Fuck those guys. I know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. Or at least for me, that's what it is a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know? Especially if it's somebody that doesn't do music at all and they try to give me a piece of advice about yeah. my music. It's like... Go fuck yourself. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. A hundred thousand percent. (laughs) I hate that shit so much, dude. So, you know, other musicians understand this. So when we see each other, and especially when we're on this amateur level, it's all just talking each other up. And that's something that I kind of hate about the whole music thing. And I'm I'm not going to say that I am innocent. I'm totally guilty of this, too, is that, you know, we all just get... Like, oh, man, I fucking loved your set, man. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, your thing is so great. And this is just kind of the art community in Amarillo in general is that, you know, it's like we have to support each other because we're the only ones putting any effort into the art Mm -hmm. community here in Amarillo are the artists themselves. Like, people who aren't making art don't give a shit about it, you know? And so it's like we all talk each other up like we're all big fucking, you know, badasses with giant dicks, but... Uh Really, it's like, you know, they're definitely those people. And maybe I'm just like super cynical. Maybe everybody else is so genuine. But I'm no. I'm kind of, I kind of think that everybody's like holding back their mm-hmm. true criticisms, I've, you know? I've switched up on that because I used to do that. Like, this is specific to comics. Yeah. But uh, I've never, I've never gone up to a comedian and be like, how do you think I did? Because like, why would you do that? But <laughs> comics do that to me all the time. And I stopped being like, oh, it was good. I'm just, now I'm just like, hey, that you probably should chop that down. You should probably cut that out. You should find a way to rework this. Cause it's yeah. not, I mean, just being like, you did great. It's you're inflating an ego and they didn't actually do great. And exactly. then it's like, they're not getting like, better. There's no, there's no <laughs> point in telling somebody that they did good when they shouldn't like, don't, don't make them. I don't know. Don't, but don't also, be disgenuine. You but know? also like, fuck don't you for disgenuine. asking me advice. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Like be self aware enough. Thing, is, so if I'm trying to compliment somebody now, I try to give them like the most genuine compliment that I can come up with. So sometimes I'll sidestep the thing, especially too if somebody comes up to you and they're like, "Man, I just fucking love your music." You know, mm-hmm. 
I'm not saying that that happens all the time, but every now and then, you know, there will be somebody that comes up and they seem pretty genuine about mm-hmm. their compliment, you know, and they're just like, man, you were so great. That was like, you played this song and they'll be specific. And that's when you know they like your stuff is mm-hmm. when they like talk about something specific that you did. And they're like, that was just like, you know, when you said that thing or when you did that thing, mm-hmm. like it was like really like, you know, hitting here and then you know you're kind of sitting there because you didn't really enjoy their thing so yeah you that's f- tough feel like this weight of like oh i gotta say something positive you know mm-hmm. and nothing negative you know that's the thing is like i cannot be any kind of constructive criticism that follows it up so i try to like i don't know now i'm gonna make myself known like people mm-hmm. are gonna be like if they listen to this podcast and hear this <laughs> shit, they're going to be like, oh, dude, it's such a fucking asshole because he didn't give me a real compliment, mm-hmm. you know? But I'll just say something like, uh, oh, man, you've got like a really cool stage presence, mm-hmm. you know? And <laughs> But <laughs> trying, trying to not say anything about that their music sucks. You're a really you good know? driver. <laughs> you're, you're a really interesting performer. You, like that's such you a can vague, read the shit out a, of some books. That's such a vague compliment when somebody says you're such an interesting performer. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Like, good oh, no. or bad? Like, but that's one that I've gotten and given mm-hmm. before. You're such an interesting performer. Yeah, and it's not like I mean, you know, everybody has bad sets. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody does bad sometimes, and everybody, you know, anybody that's ever been a musician has written a bad song. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, even the greats, Bob Dylan, you know, is the master of both good and bad songs. Like, <laughs> but it, I don't know. It is like a thing. Like, it is weird because you have this sense of ego where you're like, at least for me, it's like. I'm just going to come out and say it. Like, I feel like I have some of the best music that I've heard in my life. But that's because I wouldn't be writing this music if mm-hmm. I didn't think it was great. You know, yeah. or I didn't, I wouldn't write music that I thought sounded like mm-hmm. shit. Like, I, I tried would... that once with the, what I was saying earlier when I was trying to write the, the crowd pleaser mm-hmm. and it turned out to be this shit fucking song, yeah. you know, and I knew it and it was like, okay, yeah, I'm never ever going to write like that again, you know? But. There are some people out there, you know, everybody's got that feeling. It's like everybody that's doing it, they feel like their own stuff is really good, you uh-huh. know, and you you love it, you do it. But some of it, I do feel like there's a certain level of objective criticism that should go into evaluating this stuff and saying, is this actually good art? Uh-huh. You know, and that's, I guess, the big debate about art in general is, you know, is it really like subjective? Is it all up to the, you know, is beauty truly in the eye of the beholder mm-hmm. or is there like a, a standard that we should kind of set everything to, you know? A and question. I truly believe that there is to a, it's, it's, you know, there's a gray area. It's a gray thing. Like you've got your interests, your likes and, Sometimes you like something, like, for instance, Prince, okay? Uh-huh. Everybody loves Prince. I hate Prince. <laughs> I cannot stand Prince. That's funny. And I, every time I've ever tried to sit down and listen to Prince, I just am like, okay, I get it. He's a good guitar player. I get that he wrote all of these songs, and he introduced this whole new style like for so many people, and they love it, but I fucking hate it. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I just hate Prince. And <laughs> so... You know, maybe that's me just totally missing the point. That's probably what it is. I just don't get it. It's not my thing, you know. Mm -hmm. But then there's people that 
just are not good at all. Yeah. And they think they are. That you know, is or a they just and they just believe in themselves. You see it on American Idol, mm-hmm. you know, like those people that go up there and they really yeah. they have these emotional moments where they're like, I can't believe that I got rejected, you know, and then it's like, Well, sorry, you weren't that good, you know? Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of that, like, on just local levels. I mean, because most local musicians are never, ever going to go anywhere, you know? Yeah. Or at least, like, they're never going to be nationally recognized, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, and that's kind of what everybody's working towards, at least, I think. Most people are, as they, you know, if you really put your heart into it, you kind of hope to, like, achieve this national recognition or whatever. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I'm going for. And see, I used to feel like that was something that was totally, like, I don't know, just ridiculous to, like, mm-hmm. but it's like, no, if I'm going to do this thing, like, I got yeah. I got to get this affirmation from other people, you know? Why would you not see as far as you can take it? Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I've had people say things like, uh, oh, well, I could do this, but I should just be realistic. I was like, okay, you want you'd rather yeah, be a loser. Don't, don't <laughs> fucking like, yeah, don't settle. If especially if you're going to be in a creative pursuit, mm-hmm. don't fucking settle, and until it, you've given it all mm-hmm. you fucking have, and the world is just telling you no, I you mean, know. But most of the time, it's not that way. I mean, yeah. if you are decent enough, like, I mean, I feel like. You know, I don't have the world's greatest voice. I'm mm-hmm. not the world's greatest songwriter, but I got something that's enough to get me somewhere. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And I want to see how far it can take mm-hmm. me. And I know that I can at least get some more recognition than what I've got now because I haven't been putting a whole lot of time and effort into promoting what I have, mm-hmm. but I have enough there and I feel that I am, you know, capable enough good enough at the guitar, good enough at singing, good enough at songwriting to at least make some impression, you know? And it yeah. is really cool when you have somebody at your show, like somebody that you don't really hang out with, like somebody that is there singing your own song to you, mm-hmm. like while you're singing it, that's a fucking feeling, you know? That that's is cool. like That's like, holy shit, this person knows the lyrics to this song and like I never taught it to them. They yeah. just like listen to it that's enough be that an they were feeling. like, yeah. Especially at like a... Like, a big level where you're in a stadium, yeah, and everyone's right. Singing your that's song the back dream. to you. Honestly, that's a thing that I've dreamed about so many times. That's got to be a like, huge mind fuck. Yeah, to be like, this is something I created. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. it's like, and, and you know, I've never had that. Yeah. You know, but definitely like having somebody that knows my lyrics. Like one time, mm-hmm. I was playing. Just a couple weeks back, I was playing. I had a bunch of friends over in my garage, and they were all close friends. So yeah, of course they're listening to my music, or you know, mm-hmm. a little bit, and. I started playing that song Despair though that like has kind of become like a song that a lot of people like of mine, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh anyway, everybody in the garage knew every single word. So there was like 10 of us just sitting there singing it while I was playing and we were just hanging out, having mm-hmm. a good time and I just I that was kind of one of those moments where it was like, fuck yeah. I you know, if I'm not doing anything, at least I'm providing this for these people right here. Yeah, you know, absolutely. like and that felt good enough. Mm-hmm. You know? But if you're a musician who doesn't have anybody singing any of your songs, mm-hmm. maybe you ought to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, <laughs> that's other, a, the other critical That's the nicest way to put it. Yeah, like, like yeah. I mean you do have to you have to be self aware and that's mm-hmm. the hardest thing to do is mm-hmm. because we can either be overly critical of ourselves mm-hmm. or not critical enough, you know. And I think I think the key is to be overly critical. 
Yeah, I think so too. And also, I think well, good thing about I mean, to a certain degree though, you can be so THC. overcritical that you never do any. <laughs> yeah, right. Good thing about THC, what it makes you very, very critical of everything you're doing in life. Yeah, like I get, <laughs> I get those high thoughts where like, what am I doing with myself right now? Like, what is going on? <laughs> what is the purpose of this action that's uh, um, that I'm producing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, that that paranoia, I think it's I think it's healthy. To an extent, maybe, it is maybe like, not every day. I mean, day no, no, you gotta but. double check yourself. If you got like, and that's the thing too is like, if you don't, if you find yourself thinking that you're badass 100 percent of the time, yeah, you gotta stop and okay, you like, probably suck. <laughs> you gotta stop and like, yeah, that is just it too. There is another musician in town who I just fucking hate, and mm. I, I guess I, I won't say his name because he's, you know. He's just another guy like me, but he's not like me because he is a total fucking asshole. And he calls, he, this is what I hate about this guy, that he just calls other people out on, uh, okay, I am going to say his name. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm going to start some beef on your podcast. Go ahead, start some beef. Okay, uh, Grayson Carter. He's oh, a rapper. Fuck that guy. Dude. Nobody likes that guy. Oh he can, my he can God. eat a dick. He can eat a whole bag of dicks. You know what? He's. <laughs> I'm going to say this. I think he's a talented rapper, but he is so fucking full of himself. He's a giant and he's piece just of a, shit. He treats everybody like shit. Yeah, and absolutely. he's just like, talk shit on me directly to my face about my music. Really? And it's just like, yeah, dude, like, what the fuck are you doing going out and fishing? Okay. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I see, like, okay, you're making moves, dude. Like, you're really working hard at this shit. <laughs> God, he's. I'm 90 percent sure he's a crackhead. I like. I mean, the first time that Let I the met him, show. the first time that I met him, he was a total asshole to me, and just like totally, just like completely criticized everything mm-hmm. about my music. And I've never been anything but pleasant to him in person. Yeah. But this last thing that he did really fucking pissed me off. That band Whole Milk mm-hmm. from out of town. You know, they're from Denver, Colorado. Really good buddies of mine, you know, and they're cool people. They're genuine and they're good songwriters. Mm-hmm. They really are. Like their stuff is good. I like it. So many people in Amarillo like it. But Grayson Carter's got this fucking stick up his dick about it, where mm-hmm. he's got to just talk shit because they came back into town and played a show out of Mariposa, and he got on social media on Instagram and just started talking shit about them. Why? It was like, yeah, why the fuck are you starting this thing, man? What was why? he saying? He was saying, uh, he was basically just mocking people for liking the band. I can't remember exactly what he said, but he's like, if you listen to, you know, Whole Milk, you're just like buying into this fucking bullshit thing, you know, he went off into this thing. And they're a great band, and he's just a fucking dickhead yeah. shit little rapper who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. What, you know? it, what has he done and to he earn tried that to, opinion? Like, he tried to like you know he tried to talk himself up to me one night. He's like, "Well, I've worked with so and so, and I've done so and so, and so and so, and I've recorded, and I've been in everything, and I'm a part of all music, and I know more music than anybody else in Amarillo." He literally said that to me. Really, is that he was the he knew more about music in general than anybody else in Amarillo, and I was like, "Good dude, fucking luck, go dude. fuck yourself!" <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. What an asshole. Anyway. Oh, that's funny. No. Uh, hey, sorry, Grayson Carter. This is what you fucking get for being a dickhead. No, I have a, I have a couple stories, problems with Grayson. Uh, we were Facebook friends, and I posted something. Uh, I just shared a video. Yeah. About uh, it had something to do with intermittent fasting, and it wasn't even like I agreed with the whole video. I was just like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And he was like going off about, hey, bro, you don't know what you're talking about. 
I'm dating a nutritionist. Uh, why do you think I'm Dude, so skinny? Because I know how to eat. That girl is so and nice, too. Like, I've had a conversation with his girlfriend. We or went to high school together. She's awesome. And yeah. She's with a like, giant piece of shit. What the fuck are you doing with this dickhead? Like, oh, Jesus. But anyway, he went off and he was like, Dude, what I don't understand about you is you're biracial and you make jokes about race. I don't even know what that means. But I don't understand, <laughs> dude. Like, what's your criticism here? Jeez. Anyway, no, I don't want to turn this into just shit talking that guy. But, no, but fuck that what guy. it does, it does, like, it goes back to what we were saying before. Like, I think that he, you know, guys like that, they're just so full of themselves. And, and he they treats just, people like, like shit. He's not just, just like, full take of himself. a step back, man, and be kind of critical about yourself for he's, a minute. He's like, terrible to other people. I've had him on this podcast before. Oh, really? Yeah, he's. No, no, Damn. I'm not gonna say anymore. But yeah, he's he's been rude to to people that are close to me, and if it happens again, it's gonna be an That's issue. Exactly what the, yeah. how I feel. Like yeah, there's no reason <laughs> to start shit on Instagram with yeah. this band that you don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. Like he's, I don't think he's ever seen one of their shows. Mm-hmm. He just saw them being promoted by other Amarillo people. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I think I've been to just about every one of their shows, and I've never ever seen him at one and anytime I've ever seen him out if he gets he just drinks a little bit and then he starts shit talking that's yeah. happened to me like three or four times and he's like called me out because I played a couple fucking open mics at six car pub and played a couple of the same songs and he gave me shit about it and it was like dude go stick a <laughs> dick in your god damn it just like yeah <sighs> no I agree I agree 100% anyway sorry Oh. I felt like I got it was a, a good moment too, a, a little too energetic it was, it was necessary shit. it was necessary he's got he's got more enemies than friends and it's very obvious and it's very obvious he doesn't know the most about music in Amarillo <laughs> right <laughs> oh man joke. Oh, where did we go from there I don't know yet <laughs> so I guess I guess this means that People are going to start talking about sh- talking shit on me publicly, but I've kind of accepted to a certain degree, like who I am, like mm-hmm. ever since I quit teaching, like, you know, for one, like I wasn't, I didn't say anything about me smoking weed. Like I kept that shit a secret or as mm-hmm. much as I could, you know, the people yeah. that smoked weed with me obviously knew and I smoked weed with just about everybody. But yeah. I mean, I was so like concerned about my character and like, mm-hmm just how I conducted myself publicly and honestly I mean yeah to a certain level you have to like be concerned about that you know yeah but I ever since I quit teaching I just kind of embraced this thing I've also kind of just said fuck it like this Mm -hmm. is who I am like yeah I there's no fucking and really weed was one of those things that was like weed should just fucking be legal like I don't get I don't I don't get it it's just so stupid that so many people are still upset Mm-hmm. And won't let this thing just be legal. Yeah, absolutely. And just my personality in general, though, it's like, yeah, like I'm not going to try to too hard to be something that is expected of me, you know. Mm-hmm. And if I if I have an opinion about something, I want to say it, and I want to say, and I want to mean it, you know, because mm-hmm. that's just it. Is like I I only want to say things that I mean. Definitely. And it's a hard thing to do. We we talked all of, a lot about tonight, mm-hmm. or at least in this past few this past little bit about just you know being authentic with a person like especially when it comes to other performers and that's mm-hmm. really the struggle that I'm kind of dealing with now with authenticity is like yeah. 
to what degree do I like criticize somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. And even Grayson Carter, like, sure, like, he's, you know, doing his thing, and he's been an asshole before, but... um, To literally everyone, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, but maybe, you know, at least as far as what he's doing with music, like, I went to one of his shows once, and I was, Mm -hmm. you know, honestly, I thought he was pretty good, Mm. you know? I thought that as far as, like, local rappers go, like, I was pretty impressed, you Mm know? But... So there, there you go, Grayson Carter. There's your bone. You're okay at what you do, <laughs> but you're still a jerk. Anyway, so I don't know. Yeah, I think that it's more important for the truth. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This, I'm, 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 you ever get into that position where yeah. you just like think a million things at once and yeah. you want to say them all and like you mm-hmm. have all of this these conflicted views about this topic? Definitely. Like I'm trying to get like one thing to say about yeah. this and just be like, yeah, there it is. <laughs> it's done, you know, but I've got a hundred yeah. things to say about it and different conflictions. Yeah. But well, not, not everyone is going to like you and it'd be crazy if everyone did, you know, like that's you, the truth. Yeah. There has to be, there has to be some people who don't, who don't like whatever your style is that they, they don't they don't function with it. And it bothered me. It bothered me at first. Some people would like, you know, be on social media and be like, Oh, you suck. You're not funny. But then I was just like, okay, it's fine. Like most people, a lot of people think the opposite. So it's, I'll just hang out with them and <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll find a way to be funnier. Like it's not, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Just cause you don't fuck with me. I understand that. Yeah. I think that there's, I think there's, I can tell when somebody's given me, an empty compliment, you know, or mm-hmm. at least I think I can like sometimes like, I think about and there, there are people that definitely like, and that was definitely like happening at last night's show or a couple of people were, you know, there are people that like see you as this person that they need to know, mm-hmm. you know, cause they want to move up like the social ladder yeah. in your little circle or whatever, you know? And it's like, as far as musicians go, like I'm not the like most well-known musician in Amarillo, but I'm definitely kind of connected enough to be a part of the community, mm-hmm. the, a name that's somewhat recognized, you know? So it's like, there will be people that kind of pick up on that. And so they'll come up and they'll be like, Oh, Hey man, like, uh, you're Stuart, right? Like you're, you're the Stuart. It's <laughs> like, Dude, shut up. Yeah, I'm Stuart in Amarillo fucking Texas. Like, get off, you know. And then they'll, I don't know. They're, I could just talk all night about my love and hate for, like, just local art communities. Because I've experienced this not only in Amarillo, but, like, in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. And I guess only Lubbock. <laughs> I was going to go off on this list. And I was like, oh, wait, no. I've really only been a part of, like these two different kind of scenes i guess what's the uh are there any drastic differences you noticed in lubbock as opposed to amarillo yes less beefs in lubbock just Mm. between local artists and more support like everybody's down to like and better art nice i'm gonna come out and say it like lubbock has texas tech Mm -hmm. and uh as far as the art goes you know they they draw in kind of just a more uh worldly crowd and kind of more talented people Mm mm-hmm and uh, it's just kind of better in Lubbock for, you know, just pure, like, creativity. But then also Amarillo, I think to to Lubbock people, Amarillo is kind of like the real mysterious, like, uh, West Texas, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, that's actually, like, where it's really going on. Because it feels actually more realistic here, where it's like, this is art being created from a struggle with 
life and the place mm-hmm. we live and like it feels a whole lot more natural than it does in Lubbock because in Lubbock that's where people are going to like go to school and like I don't know it's just kind of like it's a little more convoluted in that it's just like planned you know like this whole thing whereas in Amarillo it's it's kind of like this is what we have here so this is what you get yeah you know makes sense so I don't know. It's kind of, there's a lot of similarities, you mm-hmm. know, because they're only two hours away from each other. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, there are those kind of differences. And But at the same time, yeah, I felt like when I lived in Lubbock, like, and I don't know how it is now, um, but it was just a community of people that were having a lot of fun with each other. And I kind of started to realize a change, at least in the crowd that I hung out with. Like, I... Uh, I so I lived at this house when I was in Lubbock that everybody called the Gypsy House because there was a band that started from this house called Gypsy Cab and they kind of became a big deal for a minute in Lubbock and uh, from there there was uh, a band called Indica Children that uh, my buddy Clint started and uh, anyway we were That's all like cool living together works. yeah right <laughs> yeah. we were all like. We were all hanging out and living in this house together, and it was a lot of fun. We put on a lot of house parties there, and so it became this kind of, like, famous little, like, place for, like, you know, just college socialites or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? It was, like, the pla- one of the places to be, and uh, we would... We had a lot of fun doing it, and it kind of felt natural at the time, you know? And, and then there was... To a certain degree, though, like, this kind of stigma behind it where it was like, oh, are you a gypsy? Are you part of the gypsy house, you know? And it was cool. <laughs> but then when I when I moved away, um, the gypsy house was still a thing. Like, somebody came in and took my spot, you know? And then I went back and visited, and I went to this party there. And I just, you know, was like, I had been, like, a year since I had been there or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was just really weird. Like there was the, a new crowd of people, people that I hadn't seen before going to the party, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, I don't know. It was kind of weird. Just like somebody introduced me at the party as like one of the former members of the gypsy house to the, to this like group of people. And this group of people just like, f- just got all of a sudden so excited. And they were like, Oh, nice. like, wow. Like you're, <laughs> You know, Royalty. I was like, fuck, <laughs> what the hell's going on here? No, like, I used to sit up in that room and jerk off. Like, <laughs> who wants to watch? <laughs> like, I mean, all I'm saying is that it felt like very, you know, just ridiculous. Like, everybody was trying to, like, play the, like, oh, I know the people at the Gypsy House, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. kind of thing. And anyway, Gypsy House is no longer a thing. Like, it's everybody that, the, the last people that were there moved out but it was something that was going on for like 10 years nice. i mean it was like a thing you know and so it became it had this like yeah this kind of reputation behind it and then but yeah and i definitely realized like when i was there that you know visiting that mm-hmm. it had kind of taken on a new role and that it was just getting kind of more ridiculous mm-hmm. by the year i guess and uh so i guess amarillo struggles with that too you know, like people trying to like, it's not even like, I mean, it's okay to like want to know the community and want to be a part of it and mm-hmm. like, you know, do all of that. But to a certain degree, it's just ridiculous when it becomes this purely aesthetic thing, mm-hmm. like where you are part of 
of the in crowd. And it just feels wrong because it's like we're not actually doing anything cool here. Mm-hmm. We're just meeting up and like doing the same old shit and just pretending like we're all cool. And then like the, you know, the the new twenty uh, one year olds that can come out to the bar now, like I finally see this thing going on, and they think, oh wow, this is such an incredible thing. When really, it's like, no, we do this like two Wednesdays. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what the in crowd in Amarillo would be, but the uh, the comedy scene in Lubbock is like so much further along than Amarillo. Yeah, it's like if 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 you're doing comedy in Amarillo, you're one of the leaders, and it's like these guys have. 30 to 50 members in their scene and they have oh, like yeah. admins they have people in charge who like run things and run mics and it's just like we got two or three guys who are trying to run mics but <laughs> like 75 percent of the comics don't even give a shit that's about what, comedy that's so. what hard that's what's hard about amarillo is something that we were talking about before is like yeah the the only people driving the creative force in amarillo are the creators Mm -hmm. whereas like in lubbock you've just got a following like a crowd fans you know that are down for it too Mm -hmm. but in amarillo the only fans at your thing are the other people like doing the thing that you're Mm -hmm. doing most of the time you know and that was my one of my goals was to be like i'm gonna bring up this amarillo comedy scene i'm not just me individually but like as a group or as a unit we're gonna grow this thing it's gonna be crazy we're gonna just put amarillo on the map and then like it was just like you just Amarillo is just not a place it's not <laughs> for those kinds of things unfortunately yeah. because it doesn't have like the people here don't give a shit about yeah. that they give a shit about Pantex and horses like mm-hmm. that's what it is you're like, not gonna pull Amarillo up yeah like, you have to and th- so these people that just constantly have this faith in it like one day it's going to be this cool fucking thing mm-hmm. it's just like I'm kind of like Okay, so yeah, somebody recently asked me to describe the Amarillo art scene, mm-hmm. and I feel like it it is kind of attractive in a way, mm-hmm. right? Where it's got this like, um, it's like, it feels like it's like Western, you know, yeah. and it's like, but it's kind of like the last bit of the West, you know, yeah, and then. So it kind of seems attractive and like this cool place to go like create and just be a part of. And it's like, well, there's not a whole lot going on here. So maybe it could break out, Mm -hmm. you know, but it just kind of like you people that come here for that art thing, you know, just end up being suffocated by this place. Like it because there's no, you know, there's only you can only peak at a certain level. And I feel like, you know, the level I don't mean to offend or anything, but the level that you and I are at, mm-hmm. I think that we've peaked as far as like how far we can reach here. Really, you know, <laughs> yeah. like absolutely. It's just like there's, it's kind of hard to grow it past where it's already come. You mm-hmm. know, like yeah. Anyway, the best thing I can do for my town is leave it in a weird, ironic way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get it. Is like there's. And I don't know, it's like, part of it is, like, I think any kind of creative thing, like being a a comedian or being a musician, really the way to do it is that you got to get out and tour. You got to put yourself in front of other people in other places. Mm -hmm. And that's how you do it, is you got to get your name known by everybody everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is to physically put yourself in front of crowds. And then eventually you can start playing bigger venues as you start going around Mm -hmm. doing it. And that's kind of my plan now is at least what I'm hoping for this band is like, see, Stuart has kind of 
you know, or me, me, my, like the thing that I have, um, my solo thing, it's like, it's got its own kind of presence or whatever, but I still think that I can, with my band, I can reach a bigger audience Mm -hmm. than I can reach on my own, you know? And so I think that spending a little more time with my band, now that I've got kind of connections as a solo musician, I feel like I can get even more connections in Amarillo now that I've got this band Mm -hmm. and uh, play more shows with them and stuff. And it's like people start taking you a little more seriously when you're in a band, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately the goal is to probably move the band out of Amarillo if I can, you know? I was going to ask what your, what your long-term goals were. I mean, yeah, that's, I think at least just getting on the road with it mm-hmm. and just doing an actual tour. It's hard to fund a tour, you know, it's hard to plan a tour, but at the same time it's not impossible, you know, and you can do it like so many people are already doing it just independently. There's a whole DIY way of going about the music scene. Yeah. That And really I feel like that's what it is right now for any kind of creative person. Yeah, you just totally do it yourself. Like figure out how to like put yourself in front of people and then go do that. Crash you know? on a friend's couch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a tour. Sleep in your car or on a couch. Oh, yep. That's how it works. That's cool. What are the good questions? See, I don't remember if I asked these wrap-up questions. So, fuck it. I'll ask them anyway. Okay. I'm pretty sure I did. Pretty sure I did. All right. Maybe. I can't Tell remember. me if this sounds familiar. If you can make everyone in the world do something for 30 days. Ooh. They for 30 to, days they have to do it for 30 I, days straight what would it be i think i've been posed to this question before but uh it was a me <laughs> um maybe one thing that i think the world could benefit from is everybody just taking a day to figure out our or taking a whole month 30 days to figure out our waste problem mm. you know mm-hmm. like they're I'm definitely a person that like can't stand those videos of like the turtle, the sea turtles with the straws in their nose yeah. and stuff like that. That gets to me. And so, and anyway, I, one of the things that I just can't stand is littering. I, if I see a person litter, it's just like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah, like, exactly. what the fuck? I mean, but I get it. Like our waste disposal system in general, though, is just kind of we just don't know how to get rid of our waste, you mm-hmm. know. And honestly, we just need to take it up into outer space and just let it float off into nowhere. Wally style. You know, if we can, if there's a way to do it, because honestly, there's no way, do you know, like, it's just going to keep causing problems for this planet, like, if we mm-hmm. keep it on here, you know? Whatever Elon Musk thinks, that's what e- I think. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that, yeah, if I was like, if I can make everybody do one thing for 30 days, I think it would be just like practice. It would definitely be like more globally conscious and mm-hmm. aware of our environment. I'm a hundred percent on board with, uh, not, not saying that I do anything actively. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a false prophet here. Absolutely. That's why I invited you on. This is a false prophet. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I do think that more people, just need to be concerned about our environment and mm-hmm. what we're doing to our world and just keeping it clean. Other than that, I think I would take a day, at least one day, where everybody's just got to hold hands. Everybody's just got to get along and just force themselves to hold each other's hands for a minute. It's just kind of like, mm-hmm. all right, everything's cool. Like, hey, we can hold hands. Like, Yeah, but what about the dude with no arms? Huh? What about the dude with no arms? 
Unfortunately, he doesn't get to be a part of the <laughs> hand holding ceremony. <laughs> we are going to. We are definitely going to discriminate against that. We are minority. going to exterminate <laughs> the ones missing limbs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they can. They can. They can. They can lock dicks or something. Like, I like that lock dicks. <laughs> lock dicks for a month. <laughs> Conjoin twins. Okay. Anyway, um, if you could take a time machine to any point in your life, give yourself advice. You can go to the past. You can go to the future. Uh, what would you tell yourself? And uh, what age would you go to? Holy shit! Oh man! Mind fuck. I'd go back to when I was 16 in Germany and I decided to buy that weed and I would mm-hmm. tell myself not to. I would have been like, I'm going to buy two grams instead of one. Be like, dude, you'll <laughs> enjoy this so much more later on in life if you just ignore it now and you'll have mm-hmm. a good time staying in Germany. Honestly, the, if I, every time that I've ever thought about going back in time, I've thought about that because I, mm-hmm. dude, it wrecked my life for a minute. Like, I, I was so in love with being there and being around the friends that I had. And I was so excited to go on this Europe tour with all of these close friends that I had, the closest mm-hmm. friends I had ever made in my life. Really? To that point. I mean, I'd had like great friends growing up, you know, mm-hmm. but something about like connecting with these people in this environment overseas, you yeah. know, it was like, we became really close and like a whole new world. We were just having a lot of fun. And, I just really, you know, I was so excited about going on this Europe tour with these guys for like two months, like all of these people that I had met and it just didn't happen. And so I, yeah, if I could go back, I would probably tell myself like, Hey man, like don't, don't buy this weed. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that that fucking family that I was with would have found another way to kick me out of there. Maybe so. They were shitty, dude. They were, (laughs) I seriously, it was like an abusive situation. My host mom Constantly called me names. She called really? me. Yeah. Why were they doing it? No fucking idea, <laughs> I man. I have no idea. Like, like she was, she was, family. she was on all sorts of different medication for uh, all sorts of different like uh, mental disorders that she had. Mm. And I didn't know this moving in. And uh, like, yeah, they never fucking told me this, you know. And so like, I just had to like experience all of her wild mood swings firsthand. And she would just call me all sorts of names and just tell me I was worthless. Call me the fat American. And I was like a skinny dude. Like, <laughs> was there like no one just, you could report to? Uh, like, be like well, hey, I was this, just kind of scared. This to. bitch crazy. Like I didn't want to <laughs> cause any problems. That was like, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, I was 16 and yeah. like, I'd never been in this kind of situation. I'd only grown up in like a loving household. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know how to handle this, you know? Yeah. And like, I, just kind of thought I was supposed to move in with another family. I was only supposed to be with that family for three months. And so still a long time. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was just like, if I can just get through this and like not cause any problems then I'll just move on to the next family and everything Mm -hmm. will be fine. You know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, that's the other thing is I'd go back then and I would tell myself to, to, I don't know what I'd tell myself well, other than to not smoke weed. I've got good news for you. What? I have a time machine in my backyard. <gasps> <laughs> let's go, let's go use it right now. What if I what if I end up dying though? Like what if I what if the decision to stay there and do all of that just caused me to die? Yeah, like she stabs you the next day. There would have been a couple of times <laughs> in my life where I would have been cool with it. I'd be like, all right, yeah, I can die now. When I was real depressed. <laughs> oh. But you're happy now. <laughs> that was a horrible joke. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a good segue into the next question, though. Okay. Can you remember a time you laughed the hardest? Oh, my God. Okay, well, so 
just you saying that didn't necessarily bring up a, a time in my life, but a person in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's my brother, Ren. My brother, Ren, Malone. is... Yes. I know that guy. Oh, my God. There is nobody on the planet who can make me laugh as hard as Ren. Are you related? Yeah, he's my brother. For real? Yeah, he's Whoa. my brother. Yeah. Nice. We're half-brothers, but... Okay. I mean, well, you know, we grew up as full brothers, though. Yeah. Like, you know, we lived in the same household growing up and, mm-hmm. like, never felt like we were anything different, you know? So that's cool. I mean, I always see you guys, like, together and in, in yeah. Christian. That's why. Well, and Christian's our roommate now, yeah. too. So, okay. But yeah, Rin, Rin is essentially the person who developed my sense of humor, you know, he's just such a funny guy, just kind of charismatic and just like in, you know, general talking, like he just like will make me laugh so hard sometimes. And a lot of times we joke about some of the, you know, like the, I'm definitely a person who enjoys like joking about some of the just worst shit that you can joke about, you know? That's every human who's honest with themselves. Right. Like (laughs) we just like get into these, I don't know, we'll just start like riffing off of something, you know, and start joking around Mm -hmm. about something. And he just says some things that just make me laugh so hard. And anyway, yeah, Rin... Rin is always going to bring the biggest laugh. I there's never been anybody that I've ever met that I thought was funnier than Rin. Nice. Yeah. That's what's up. Do you remember anything specific? Oh. I mean, I can remember a couple of things, but they're definitely things that I don't want to say, on, say a a podcast. on a podcast. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> but let me let me bring <laughs> So one time I'll never forget <laughs> my mom one time we were growing up <laughs> and my mom answered the phone in the house mm-hmm. and we were just Rin and I were just in the living room watching TV and there was nothing like no kind of joke there in the air already we're just kind of casually watching TV and my mom answers the phone in the kitchen and she goes you know she's just talking to some friends she's like oh hey how's it going da, 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 da. and my brother just goes hi I'm Dolly <laughs> just like <laughs> just ridiculous just making fun of my mom for no reason like it wasn't like she was doing anything out of the ordinary Mm -hmm. but him saying that just cracked me the fuck up our mom's name is dolly Uh yeah and he just goes hi i'm dolly (laughs) and it just made me laugh so hard i thought it was hilarious there was also another time when he he was we were eating dinner (laughs) family dinner my my family when we're eating like together we you know we eat all together and we all sit around the table and Mm -hmm. stuff and growing up it was like that a lot where we'd all sit around the table and so there were these rolls that my mom would make for a little bit that we all just loved we thought they were the most delicious rolls and so we'd been like talking about the rolls before dinner a little Mm -hmm. bit and then we were all sitting around the table and my little sister was just getting so like I don't know. She was real little at the time. She was like seven or eight years old or whatever. And she was getting kind of like just ready to eat. She was hangry and she was just, she just was talking about these rolls. Like she wanted mm-hmm. one really bad, you know, and the rolls came out and my mom like handed it to her and her face just brightened up, you know, and she got these <laughs> real big smile. And as my mom was like setting the roll down on her plate, my brother goes, oh, man. 
was just... It's yeah. to this day still one of the funniest, like something that I did. Anytime anybody gets like excited about something and they're ready to like mm-hmm. receive the gift, it's always oh <laughs> man. Anyway, I like hilarious. That. That's funny. Do you have any uh, advice uh, for the listeners to help motivate them? Any advice yes. for the listeners? Don't give up on your dreams, and I know that's cliche as shit. Mm-hmm. But seriously, like, you're not going to enjoy life. You're not going to love what you're doing if you're not following one of your dreams. Mm -hmm. It sucks to live life and to not have a future or to not have an intended future. And when you're working towards your dreams, like, when you have dreams, work towards them. That's the thing is, like, you can't just, like, have them. It can't just be this daydream, like, oh, one day I'm going to, like... So many people, I feel like, have this dream where they're going to fall in love and have a family. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, that's okay to have that dream. That's okay to have that thing. But if you're not like, if you're a single fucking guy that's just getting, you know, just sitting home playing video games all day and wondering why you don't have, you know, the love of your life, like, you got to get out there. You got to go do things. You got to talk to other people. That's the other thing is just get out there and experience life. Like, go have conversations with strangers. Hell yes. You know? Like, mm-hmm. go talk to people. Like, meet people. Mm-hmm. And that's because, honestly, the real, at least for me, I'm, I'm a very social person. You know, I rely so much on just knowing people or just talking to people. And it's like, there's a lot of people out there that I don't think understand the kind of, like sense of well-being that you can get from just like being able to show up anywhere in town and almost definitely run into somebody oh yeah you know and that's I, for me that's always kind of a great thing mm-hmm. it's like oh there's a what's his name yeah. right? you know it's great to know a lot of people yeah right so it's like i think that if you're yeah if you're not If you're not happy, figure out what's making you not happy and try to change it. Like, Mm -hmm. it it takes effort. It's so hard to be happy sometimes, you know? At least for me, for a long time, it was hard to just be happy. I just hated everything about what I was doing. And it was because I was doing everything that I'd never, ever wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I'd never, ever dreamed about doing the things that I was doing. I was just doing them. You know, and it's like, okay, wait a minute. Like, what do you actually want to be doing? Don't give a shit. And that's the thing is like, don't give a shit about the other. Most of the time, the thing that's holding you back is your fear. And it's also, and it's almost always unjustified fear. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's no reason to be afraid of this thing. Like, like for me, it was debt, Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to, and I'm in debt now, but I feel so fucking good about my life. I don't have the same kind of questions. I don't sit in my room thinking about killing myself. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, you got to get out there and try to chase your dreams for real, you know? That was such a great answer. That was just two minutes of solid gold. (laughs) Thanks. Hell yes. Hell yeah. Okay, final question. (laughs) Final question. What do you think happens when you die? Oh, man. So... So here's my 30-minute answer. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, honestly, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I don't... Uh, I don't... I mean, I could tell you about what I feel spiritually and all of that, but the truth is is that there's no telling what the fuck happens when you die. Mm-hmm. You die, like... It has this... The, the reason that we think there might be something that, ha- 
that happens when we die is because we have this sense of us, you know, or this sense of me. Yes. You know, you have this you, the very real sense of like I am a person, I am a one thing, I am a soul. Mm-hmm. Almost, you know, we believe in in our souls, and I believe in souls to a certain degree, mm-hmm. you know. But I don't believe in it the same way that everybody else does, because, or at least that a lot of people do, where it's like you have this soul that carries on when you die, that's apart from your body. But for me, it's like all one thing. It's like your mind, your body. It's and it's not just atoms. It's not. But it's also not just this fairy tale land where you get to go shake hands with Jesus and mm-hmm. and you know fall in line with all of your old relatives and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no telling. I mean, you know, I, I've had a couple of DMT trips that would suggest a couple of different things to mm-hmm. me, but <laughs> I I really think that there's no knowing, and I don't think that. I don't think that it's anything that anybody should worry about mm-hmm. because it's just dying. Like yeah. you're, it's it's gonna happen the same way in which you came into this world. You know, mm-hmm. like you you were you were not, and then you were, and maybe maybe you will no longer be. Maybe you will still be, but your sense of consciousness is going to definitely fucking change. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. whatever the case is, like you're mm-hmm. you're not going to feel like a human when you die. Sounds like Stuart's not going to heaven. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> makes me want to be a therapist. Send me straight to hell. Makes me want I to don't be care. A bad therapist. Okay. No, that's a great answer. Um, I was gonna follow up. DMT. I've been wanting to try that. Sounds that's crazy fun. as hell. I mean, sounds like a good time. I, it was. I spent like a whole summer doing DMT once. Really? It was crazy. Yeah, I had this friend that like synthesized it or whatever himself, mm-hmm. and. uh so he just like had this jar full of like crystals that mm-hmm. we would just load in every single bowl of weed that we smoked mm-hmm. and we would just trip and it's not like it's not like what you read about or what you fantasize about like or at least my trips weren't like I definitely did have a trip or two where I was totally out of reality like blasted off into outer space you mm-hmm. know this weird meeting aliens kind of thing a you bunch know? of like geometric patterns <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah. He was real nuts, but at the same time, like, there were also just a couple, most of the time that we did it, it wouldn't be strong enough to, like, really rocket us out of the room. It would just be, like, tripping on mushrooms or acid really intensely Mm -hmm. for, like, 15 minutes, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Any, um, revelations while you were on it? Anything? Oh, yeah. Uh, the first time that I ever, uh, blasted off, I, uh... Blast off! I met this. uh, I met this like this uh, woman figure that like represented um, love and sex, and she was like giving me this. And and this is this is gonna sound so strange. It happens. It's it's not like you're. It's not like you're having a conversation with the person, you know, or the the entity or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like you're 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 in a whole completely different other thing where you're communicating completely differently than Mm -hmm. you would normally or whatever. And so um, she was teaching me though. I felt like at least that she was teaching me about sex and how to view women. It was kind of crazy. Like Mm -hmm. I mean. So you woke uh, up sexist? No, I I woke up <laughs> definitely more like feminist, you know. Oh but yeah, like less. Uh, it's like, why are women driving? Know, it wasn't like I I don't know. Like I had been I had been feeling like 
oh, you know, I, I'd always been kind of like a a boyfriend who was definitely like a um, oh, well, not a boyfriend. Like I wasn't. I've never. I've never been a like solid boyfriend ever in my life. You know. And, I mean, I say that that sounds like shitty. Like I've been a shitty guy. I mean mm-hmm. that I've just. I haven't really been with anybody long enough to be like yeah. this super consistent thing. Like a really know? important but relationship. I would like. I would always, like, I couldn't stand listening to girls tell me about the other guys that they had been with or anything, you know? Like, for yeah, a long is. time, I, I hated that. And I still kind of do that a little bit, yeah, you know? It's, like it's still not interesting. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> fuck those guys. I don't give a shit, you know? But at the time, like, I, I guess I would kind of hold it to, against them to a little degree mm-hmm. if they would tell me about it, you know? It's, yeah. like, hard to, like, shake those feelings, especially if you, like, know the guy that they dated or whatever, yeah. you know? And then it's, like... You know, and it's kind of weird. Yeah, that's but just kind of time, your your insecureness. Yeah, insecurities. That's exactly it, and yeah. that's exactly what I was like being shown when I was tripping was mm. like that this was a thing, and it was so out of left field because I wasn't even romantically interested with anybody. At, yeah, you know, at the time, but for whatever reason, like that was something that just like came up into my head while mm-hmm. I was tripping, or just like you know something that happened is like because the trip opened up and it was like I fell onto my bed and just immediately felt like I was being blasted off into outer space. And I started seeing this red and green, like flashing light. And then all of these, yeah, geometric patterns Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, um, then it was like these spirits were like drifting in and out of the reality that I was part of or whatever in mm-hmm. this one that was like woman love or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds crazy as hell, but you know, she like, that was the experience that I had is that this like <clears throat> figure came and like kind of showed me my unrealistic expectations of mm-hmm. others. And, uh, <clears throat> and it was really kind of like that. Like, showed me how that was wrong and then as soon as she got done like explaining that to me to a certain degree that's hard Mm -hmm. to like explain what that means you know but then she let me go on my way or she was like it's time to go back you know and then i started to like come out of my trip you know Mm -hmm. and she was like it's time to go back and then i was like okay that's cool out of my trip and i was like whoa fuck like but you were you were understanding her when she wasn't talking (laughs) Yeah, That's awesome. I mean, I like that. it's, I don't know, it's it's hard to explain, it's not like you were having, it's it's so different, it's not like you and I sitting here right now, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't feel like that, like, I, I see you as a person, you know, mm-hmm. but this was something that I was seeing as like this, yeah, like, entity, and I also felt like an entity, like, we were sharing this kind of, like, cosmic dream-like, you know, yeah. fantasy world where you really do feel like you exit reality yeah. you know as you know it and you go into something that's completely unexplainable it's like any other kind of drug like mm-hmm. uh, any other psychedelic like you're not going to understand it till you do it you know yeah it kind of reminds me of a uh, black caskets you die <laughs> you die <laughs> that's kind of the idea behind black caskets is that I don't know, you know. Yeah. Everybody fucking dies. But, uh, like it's <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> Back to the psychedelics. That's one I haven't done DMT, but I've done mushrooms plenty of times. Yeah. And that's one thing I enjoy about it is like it kind of like dissolves any idea of like ego or like material possessions where it's like, oh this this idea of yeah. oh they have a nice car, they're more important or they have a lot of money. And just things like that where it just kind of That's fades away. Best. And it's like, like yeah. we're all just regular ass people. Just Man, see, it pisses me off that like, psychedelics are, you know, 
I hate the word drugs actually mm-hmm. because then it takes everything and it puts it under one blanket. You know, and says, well, drugs, this is drugs. Well, heroin is a completely different substance than, you know, psilocybin. Yeah. It's like they're going to do completely different things to your body. Mm-hmm. And they're somehow under the same category together. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to, it's comparing fucking apples to oranges. Yeah. It really is. Except, and it's just like. Except it's like if the orange was like poisonous. <laughs> right yeah one of one of these you can overdose on <laughs> but oh man i i love psychedelics so much and i'm i'm a hundred percent if if anybody wants to try them they should mm-hmm. if you have any kind of inclination any kind of interest in a psychedelic it's like yeah absolutely take at least one trip yeah feel it like because it's not about being high and goofy at all it's mm-hmm. about like the, there is this inner journey that goes mm-hmm. on, and like sometimes you have to face yourself. You yeah, know, I've had a I've had trips where it was like I was so disappointed in what I saw in myself, mm-hmm. and made like life altering changes after that. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, I mean, I've quit smoking because of drugs. You know, I quit <laughs> I quit smoking cigarettes because of an acid trip I had That's once. That's honestly or something that like, they're advocating for. Yeah, is to like get off harder drugs by microdosing yeah exactly like you just kind of have these realizations about life and Mm -hmm. i will say this though i i do think that there is this whole community and this strong side to like you know psychedelics can fix a lot of problems but i think they can also kind of create problems too if you're not in the right mindset um, you can abuse anything yeah and just also like you know the the rough thing about psychedelics is that you are feeling like you're you know you're under the influence of something that is kind of like exaggerating whatever feeling you are already feeling Mm -hmm. so it's like if you are feeling extremely depressed like i took shrooms once when i was like really depressed and i Mm -hmm. feel like the outcome was not very good because i kind of ended up like i just kind of felt like yeah life is pointless like Mm -hmm. i kind of got this affirmation from the shroom trip that i Mm -hmm. had so i think that there's yeah, you just got to be careful, you know. There's there's muddy waters there. Like, I think that it can... I, I think that the majority of the time, a shroom trip is a mm-hmm. positive thing. Yeah. But at the time that I did have this shroom trip, I was also tripping all the fucking time. Yeah. Like, it was something that was kind of a regular part of my life. I think, it, uh, I think it definitely serves a purpose. But it's also, like, I respect it enough to be, like... And this is just my personal opinion because I know people who do shrooms a lot and they're they're perfectly healthy and they're smarter than me in a lot of ways. But for me, I just feel like it's just healthier for me to like stay away from it and respect it enough to just do it like every few months. Yeah, don't force yourself to do it. That's the thing is like, and that's the other thing is like, yeah, definitely never succumb to peer pressure when Mm -hmm. it comes to a psychedelic because, or I mean in any drug really. Absolutely. If you don't feel like doing it, don't fucking do it, you know? Yeah, and it's something you're afraid of, definitely. Yeah, yeah, like, (laughs) exactly. Because, yeah, you're going to have a bad fucking time, especially on psychedelics if Mm -hmm. you're scared. Yeah. The worst trip of my life happened because I was scared you know, like, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to do it, and I was just kind of like, everybody else around me was doing it, so I was like, I guess I gotta do it too, and then I ended up fucking hating myself for like three hours. Uh. <laughs> it was not fun, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. 
Awesome. That was a great podcast. We did three hours and 12 minutes. So Good God. Pretty fucking cool. Okay. Um, so I want to play an outro song. Um, okay. I can play one of your songs. I have your band camp pulled up. Ooh. Or just uh, a favorite song of yours right now that you think would be a good outro. Ooh. And if you pick your own song, I'm not going to think you're an egotistical douchebag. So no, 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 no. Here, I'm going <laughs> to promote this because not enough people know it. Um, Go, uh, if are you on Spotify or where are you I'm on? on? I can do Bandcamp. I can pull up Spotify, YouTube. Or YouTube or something. Just Okay, look up Dan Reader. Not enough people know about Dan Reader. And then look up the song, uh, I Don't Really Want to Talk to You, since we're ending the podcast. But he's just such a fucking fantastic musician. He's my favorite musician mm-hmm. right now. He's this man that lives in Germany, this expat. And he builds his own instruments, builds all of his own recording equipment, and I just fucking love him. His lyrics are so great. Mm -hmm. I think he is just the apex of folk songwriting. He is so good. And anyway, this song, um, I don't really want to talk to you, I feel like is just such a great song. It's just like such a feeling why don't you want to talk to me i'm just kidding Um, (laughs) anyway we will play out the intro thank you for coming on again and we're signing off thank you everybody Quiet.